Hello and welcome to the Infinite Pos the Infinite Pixels? No, Infinite Pixels podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Havlick. With me as always, until he is not, is uh, my friend Ryan Scred. How's it going, Ryan? Good. I couldn't have said it better myself. With you with always until I won't be. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well because we played Bioshock 2 this week and I'm excited to talk about it. You are? Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's... <laughs> like, Flower was a more unique gaming experience, uh, but Bioshock 2 is... I, I love um, Bioshock, so I'm, I'm just uh, interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I do, uh, we both really like Bioshock. I, I, I guess... You could say we've bonded somewhat over Bioshock, weirdly enough. Well, you introduced me to Bioshock. I mean... Did I? I, I had heard of it. Like, obviously, wow. I, I knew about it, but I never played it. But then, um, when I was in college, you were like, oh, if you've never played Bioshock, you can just borrow my copy. And I was like, sure. And uh, I played through it, and I thought it was awesome. And then you were like, oh, definitely check out Bioshock Infinite. And I did, and it was awesome. And now we talk about Bioshock all the time. <laughs> I don't remember that, because... Mm -hmm. uh, because I, uh, I remember playing Bioshock in high school, uh, around the time where I was like getting into like horror games. Um, I think I played Dead Space first, um, and then I was like, oh, I want to play more horror games and more like M-rated games, and I played a, because uh, at the time I like was not allowed to buy M-rated games because mm -hmm. I was ooh fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> oh no. Um, but, uh, but I had, uh, I played, uh, Bioshock and was like, oh, this is really cool. And, uh, at the time I did not realize that it was like a spiritual successor to System Shock mm -hmm. 2, I think System Shock 2 specifically. Um, and, uh, it's also like a, like, uh, they're kind of called... 0451 games, meaning like uh, they're from the team that made like Deus Ex and Thief, like kind of the veterans of those uh, of that studio. I can't remember the studio off the top of my head, um, but making uh, making games that are uh, known as uh, um, it's gonna kill me. I should have written this down. Uh, um, uh, uh, make, making games that are that are like the that, that have you create. Man, <laughs> vamp for a moment. You're Hang just on. waving your hands around. I am literally waving my hands around. Uh, Irrational I'm, games made Bioshock. Yes, and I'm Bioshock sorry. Infinite, but not Bioshock Two. Give me one moment. Mm -hmm. uh, Looking Glass Studios. That 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 is the studio that they they are. That they are veterans of, okay. and um, uh, they're known as uh, like. I'll probably cut all of this out <laughs> at the end of the day. You can start over if you want. No. <laughs> Yeah, Irrational Studios was founded by three former employees of Looking Glass Studios. Um, Known for System Shock 2, Freedom Force, and SWAT 4. 
yeah, I can't, I can't think, I can't think of the name of the of the games, and it's gonna kill me, uh, the kind of genre, but it's gonna kill me. Um, uh, they're like games that really allow you to like role play a character through and create your own like means of entry and whatnot, like through um, the gameplay. Usually, like with either like stealth or like uh, um, hacking or uh, just like going on through using your for using physical force, whatever. Um, oh, so it's you're saying that the genre is you can choose how you want to approach the gameplay, like yes. in, in stealth, force. That that's there's a word for that kind of uh, yes. design. I can't really think of the name of it, uh, so that's why it's been it's been eating away at me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like uh, that's kind of what. Bioshock has been known for, and like uh, uh, games like Prey and Dishonored and uh, Deus Ex are also like known known to be uh, known as. Uh, I'm gonna be. <laughs> My mouth is just being the worst today. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, but uh, um, you would. Uh, Bioshock 1, I think, was more known for its, like, and it, one, as a takedown of, like, uh, of, uh, Ayn Rand's idea, I, ideal, what, what's her, what, what's her, I her, can't, her, like, uh, her theory, philosophy, it's, I'm, Ayn Rand's, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the word is, but her school of thought her, uh, is it, uh, individual exceptionalism or individual objectivism or just objectivism? Objectivism. Yeah. 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 Bioshock one basically, uh, takes Ayn Rand's ideas to like an extreme. Yeah. And shows, uh, like what is wrong with them. Yeah. Literally the last boss is the, is the, the Atlas, like that is on the cover of Atlas Shrugged, which is Ayn Rand's novel. Yeah, she wrote uh, a book about objectivism called Atlas Shrugged, and yes. the main character in Bioshock is called Atlas. There's and a lot of themes from the novel. Andrew Ryan is literally named after Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, um, and Bioshock 1 is, like, as far as, like, games go, um, I think it hit the mainstream really big. It was, uh, was it a launch title for 360? No, it came out in 2007. Sure. So it came out early in the 360 and PlayStation 3's lifespan, and I think at that time uh, it got a lot of attention for having like heavier ideas like that. Yeah, it also had like a, it was well known for the twist and having like a, a, a key like it's it's known for like it's a takedown of objectivism, but also it's a takedown of like player agency. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I love the twist in Bioshock. If you've never played uh, Bioshock, I'm going to spoil it right now, turns out you're mind-controlled the entire time, and mm-hmm. it's basically like a story, like a twist on what are your objectives as a player, how do you know as a player whether or not you're doing the right thing or not. Uh, these were ideas that, like, at the time were, like, fairly novel. They had been explored in, like, stuff like, uh, um, like, Knights of the Old Republic and whatnot as well, um, but never really hit. I think like the mainstream like they had with 
with uh, with Bioshock. So, um, needless to, needless to say, Bioshock Two was uh, very very like uh, it had big shoes to fill. Yeah, Bioshock One. Like like I said, I never played it when it came out, but I heard about it. I I know what a big I knew what a big daddy was. Before I ever played the game, it's one of just, the most iconic like image characters designs in video games. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people recognize that character even if they don't know what it's from. He's and in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Exactly, and I didn't say this at our last recording, but I think Flower should have been in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I would have loved that. Yes, but uh, the other thing about Bioshock that uh, like so it's this game that comes out early on in the new generation, which. From Xbox to Xbox 360, a lot changed. Like, it was a big step, I think. Yeah. Um, so here's this game that uh, is making headlines for uh, deconstructing objectivism for a twist that not only uh, plays with expectations, like, of a game, but really takes advantage of the medium to drive, like, the message home. Like, it's it's a twist you, that works uh, particularly well in a video game, like, the way yeah. they execute it. Because it's an interactive medium. And then on top of that, too, um, it uh, has this amazing environment, which I think is the other big thing that a lot of people, like, noticed and took notes. Like, another big selling point of the game. Like Rapture is one of the best characters in video games. Absolutely. It's and one of the best argue, settings. I would argue it. Yeah, the Rapture itself is, like, a character. Definitely, definitely. And it's so... I don't know, like, how much time went into the, the development of, of Rapture, like, behind the scenes when they were making the game, but it feels so authentically lived in. Like, every corridor feels different, and it feels like it has a history behind it, and it's it's really hard, at least for me, to pinpoint, like, exactly why that is, uh, but there's there was just so much, like, character to Rapture, yeah. and it, it really elevates an already great game. So... Jumping off that, Bioshock 2 comes out, uh, or is announced, I think, like, shortly after. Yeah, sorry, and, I was, and that was what I was getting to my head. <laughs> it is announced, like, shortly after Bioshock 1, and it, 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 it if you, uh, did you ever watch the original trailer, like, the announcement trailer? For 2? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually. Sea of, like, where they have a, they have a subtitle for Bioshock 2 called Sea of Dreams, mm -hmm. which... Never happened. Like there's no there's no subtitle for Bioshock Two. It's just called Bioshock Two. Yeah. Um, uh, I think even in that trailer they have like a little sister like on the surface, um, which is like, wait, what? Like, okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. She has and, a big daddy doll. Yeah, and there's it's. I, I'm interested to know how much, uh, how much went into, uh, of that like original concept trailer went into this video game because there are like concept trailers that come out all the time that are that are like oh like this doesn't look at all what the video game is you know like dead island being like to dead island dead island's release where you're like oh this is like a weird goofy comedy game not like the mm -hmm. the serious like the trailer that we first got um the serious game from the serious trip whatever yeah the, the trailer for dead island island was like a little girl falling out of a window right or something yeah. like that yeah yeah um and uh so, Bioshock Two uh, is also developed by uh, uh, by Two K Australia. It's a, a different team from the first game. Yeah, it's Two K Marin, which is in uh, 
Australia. No, they're in California. I'm wrong. Um, th this has, I don't know. I played on this you with the uh, remaster, which is on PS4 and Xbox One. I think you played on 360. I busted out the 360 to play this. And actually, uh, I want to say like <laughs> like eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, after I played Bioshock 1 and then played Bioshock Infinite, uh, you were like, oh, you should play Bioshock 2 just to round it out. And I was like, yeah, totally. And you were like, here, take my copy of it, borrow it, and then you'll play it. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was before the Switch came out. That was before... Uh, the Xbox One came out, I think. Mm -hmm. So the 360 was still like a current generation console. Oh, yeah. And I didn't play... I had your copy of Bioshock 2. I think that was before the Wii U came out, which came out in 2012. I think it was... No, I, it was after the Wii U came out because... Really? It was, it was in college. And okay. I had the Wii U in college. Uh, but you lent it to me eight years ago... Or seven or eight years ago. That'd be like ten years ago. <laughs> and I didn't play it until right now. So... so. But yeah, I a played decade it. in the making. We're finally yeah. playing the, a game that I've said maybe you should play this because you know, I, I made the statement last week that I think it's probably the best Bioshock game, and playing through it now, I think I would still stick with that. Go right now. So I'm, I'm curious why you say that because we don't have to get into it now because I we only played to a certain point. Yeah. We didn't play the whole game. We might get into that. More so in the second episode, mm -hmm. but um, but I uh, but uh, I guess to the point that I was saying earlier, this game has a lot of logos at the beginning of like so many studios that were working on this. Yeah. So it was like, oh, th this is very clear that it's not just like irrational and not just like I think a lot of people think that like irrational uh, having Ken Levine as their studio head being like they're one of those like auteur studios. They've put out Bioshock Infinite and have not put out another game since. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, like, are they... Well, now they're gone. Bio, uh, Irrational disbanded, I think, and, like, laid off or, and or fired a lot of their uh, developers, a lot of their team. And now they're... Ken Levine has a, a different studio. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, you, you think yeah. of it as, like, Bioshock was the start of this... Uh, you know, this, this uh, you know, sort of offbeat video game company doing really ambitious work, but uh, not, it didn't take off for the company to, to make, like, other bigger franchises and other projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the second Bioshock game, coming off the first one, it was this very uh, particular vision, uh, a really unique game for the time, uh, that a lot of people loved. And then for the second one, they have to follow it up with a completely different team, uh, filling the shoes of a great story, or rather a story that a lot of people liked, gameplay that a lot of people liked, an environment that a lot of people loved. Um, and they're like, okay, we have to make another one. Yeah. And excuse me, correction, apparently Bioshock 1 was not made by Irrational. They were made by 2K, or it was made by 2K Boston, and 2K Australia, according to Wikipedia. Bioshock and 1? Bioshock 1. Okay. And, but Ken Levine, who worked on Bioshock Infinite, was still the director. Mm. So, sorry. But I, I, by what I mean is, like, it's still thought of as a Ken Levine game, whereas this game 
is not directed in any way by Ken Levine. Yeah. Is it anyway? Back to the show. So wait, wait. wait. Is it the same team for Bioshock Two that made Bioshock One then? No. Okay, it's a different team. No. It's, okay. Yeah. So it's a different team. Okay, gotcha. So it's different people taking on this very uh, defined work, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's like going from, I don't know, Avengers 1 to Avengers 2. No, I would say, because that's the same director for Avengers 1 and Avengers 2. I'm sorry, Avengers 2 to Avengers 3 or whatever. Yeah, or, or even like, uh, you know, uh, Force Awakens to Last Jedi or... Uh, and then back to the Force Rise, or of, Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, That's actually really interesting because Force Awakens is directed by J.J. Abrams, Last Jedi is directed by... Ryan Johnson, but then Rise of Skywalker is directed by J.J. Abrams again. Bioshock 1 is Ken Levine and his team. Bioshock 2 is not them. Bioshock Infinite, which is Bioshock 3, is Ken Levine and his team again. So that's yeah. an interesting parallel. I never really noticed that, but yes. And also, I think Bioshock 2 has a lot of great ideas that I would have liked to have seen explored more. And then Bioshock uh, Infinite goes in very different directions that I think that some of the ideas are good and some of them don't hold up the best. Yeah, I mean, Bioshock Infinite is a separate conversation, I think. Like, yeah. there's a lot to talk about in terms of how they progress the Bioshock story. Uh, but, like, at the start of 2, I was definitely thinking, like, okay, this is... Going back to Rapture. Yes, it takes place in Rapture. Uh, it's, I don't know what the story is. I think I heard at one point that you play as a big daddy, which, like, through the trailers I saw that. But other than that totally don't know what they're going to do because at the end of Bioshock 1, it feels like the story's really over. Yeah. So how does this game open, Ryan? We can finally get to, like, 30 <laughs> minutes into this. How does Bioshock 2 in open? Well, there's a lot of pretext for... Because Bioshock, this is a sequel, right? we got to yeah. set up the first one. And the first one's awesome. Like, I, I before we get too much into the second one, okay. I really want to say the first Bioshock is one of my favorite games of all time. It's fucking amazing. I played it probably six or seven years after it came out. And it felt so. It, it felt as fresh as if I was playing it on day one. It was so fucking awesome. Um, well, you don't play as many games, so that's why I'm like, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder how you would feel if like you played as many games as me and then went back to Bioshock. If you would be like, oh, this twist. All right, mm -hmm. whatever. Oh, this environment. Like, okay. Sure. No, yeah. I, I, but well, I, I still think the environment is great. No, I, I think the environment has a lot of character. And that was one thing I was really, really excited to do in Bioshock 2. Like, I was excited to go back to Rapture. Um, and the opening is uh, a cutscene where it's from a first-person perspective. Uh, you're playing with a little sister, which uh, is a... For anyone who doesn't know, it's a character in Bioshock. Uh, a little sister is a term for a little girl in Rapture that is uh, a harvester of essentially a drug called Adam. Like, there's a yeah. lot of fucking context to this. There's so much context. The, the little sisters are kidnapped little girls, basically. If you don't know what Bioshock is, this sounds insane. Yeah. But it's the story of so, Bioshock. And, okay, the, uh, let's set up Bioshock. Bioshock is... Uh, 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 what's up Rapture and like Bioshock? Okay, so there... Uh, Rapture is a undersea city created by this 1950s-esque entrepreneur named Andrew Ryan who believes very much in, like, objectivism 
He's like, everybody should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. There should be no government infer interference. There should be no interference by anyone in the public. You should be able to do whatever you want because you are a man and man ha is in uh, has ingenuity and they, they go out and they create and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So he gets mad that um, people are um, like telling him what to do, basically. So he goes, screw that. I'm going to go and I'm going to go build a city underwater. With all my money, I'm going to yeah. build an underwater metropolis. He is, he is John D. Rockefeller. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to build this city underwater. And he does. He builds a city underwater. At the and bottom he, of the ocean. At the bottom of the ocean, he invites all of his pals, his think tank. And he goes, we're going under the sea. We're going we're gonna to be able to create whatever we want. We are going to be able to make whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. And nobody can tell us what to do. The only law in Rapture is... Uh, is nobody can tell you what to do. So he, uh, so they make the city of Rapture. Um, they discover a, um, they finally uh, somehow discover like the sea slug underwater uh, that is producing a chemical called Adam that uh, has this miracle property of allowing you, they're basically stem cells. They allow you to rewrite the genetic code. Uh, and uh, it, um, causes like a giant like boom in industry uh, allowing people to rewrite their genetics like they can uh, produce fire from their hands they get superpowers basically mm -hmm. um, but Adam has the weird side effect of uh, making people a little bit crazy so it uh, it causes you to when you one you have to inject Adam it, like you inject it into your veins uh, or no, you you don't inject Adam. You get Adam goes into your bloodstream somehow, and then uh, you then can use these superpowers, and you have to inject this chemical called Eve into you in order to access the access the atom. I it's guess. essentially your the Eve functions as a drug that activates the atom. Yes, and it's a drug that rewrites your genetic code. And essentially functions as a drug where the more you use it, yes. the crazier you get. Yeah. It's like heroin. Yeah. Um, and the people who start to use it start to go crazy. There starts to be more and more like uh, junkies and they're mm -hmm. basically called like splicers. Mm -hmm. And now they've become, they've kind of become like a new faction within uh, Rapture and they've also like... It starts to become uh, have like poverty and and whatnot. Even though in this game, as we've later find out, there was always going to be poverty in a society like Rapture. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, the context of the little sisters and the big daddy, uh, when there is Adam, it has to be harvested um, either via the sea slugs or the. There's another option, which when you die, there you can harvest. Uh, the atom out of corpses, uh, and the way that they are going to, uh, the way that they can do that is they get little sisters that can basically sense the atom. They're little girls that they put the sea slugs that the, create the atom into, correct? Yeah. Yes. And so now this is so fucking. Much. It's so weird. <laughs> the the little girls can now sense the atom in corpses because I guess there's just a bunch of corpses because people are dying all over the they're, place because yeah. they're addicted. And it's then, a cycle, basically. Yeah, and so uh, the little girls 
um, can sense the atom, they can harvest it with, they usually use like syringes and whatnot. That causes uh, people to go after the little girls because of course they're junkies and they want to get after the little girls so harvesting. they have a lot of the drug that they want yeah. because they're harvesting it so they go after so the little girls to kidnap them again they uh, the people of, who are running rapture are like well we need to be able to combat this well let's invent the big daddy as a protector to uh protect the little girls if we've got this big muscly guy who's able to uh protect the little sister and be threatening then people won't try to kidnap the the little sisters that are doing the work of har harvesting the atom so that we can continue to sell that to the public um so um at like vending machines and whatnot like they they sell like the plasmids using uh like vending machines the cold gardens it, it's an industry in yeah. rapture it's basically uh, a product you can buy yeah so that's motivation so, for them to keep harvesting it yeah so they uh, so the big daddy and little sisters have like this pair bonding between each other um uh and as we learn in this game it's like the originally the prototype was like oh it's going to be one little little sister and one big daddy but I guess that's made later on in later trials to be like any big daddy and any bit little sister can be yeah. together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, it's it's not one big daddy has their little sister that they need to be with. It's that if you are a big daddy and you see you protect little sisters in general, and if you are a little sister, you uh, feel protected yeah. by a big daddy. So, and that's the basically the uh, a section of the plot of Bioshock 1. Yeah. And Bioshock 1, uh, you arrive as a character named Jack, you wind up in a plane crash, you want, uh, you come to Rapture, you're like, I don't know why I'm... There's a lighthouse, you go into it, you just go down, because yeah, you're like, oh, that's a plane crash, I need to find shelter. You're just thrown into Rapture in Bioshock yeah. 1, you work your way through, you learn all the information that we just talked about, and slowly... Uh, Rapture is corroding for a lot of different reasons. Like you said, people are addicted to the superpower drug. There's already been a revolution. There's a power struggle. It's just a... It's not sustaining. It's decaying, where yeah. splicers are the norm and normal people are far and few in between. Uh, so through the first game, you basically uh, walk through the uh, almost corpse of Rapture uh, and you uh, dismantle Andrew Ryan's establishment. You fight people on superpower drugs. Uh, you fight a final boss, and then the game ends. Yeah, and um, and the you free uh, key element of the first game is freeing little, deciding whether or not you want to free little sisters, in that you want to like remove corruption from them hmm. so that they're like little girls again, or do you want to harvest all of their atom and kill them? Yes, in the process of harvesting all of their atom, it's a morality choice. And the little sisters uh, are basically kidnapped children used to create. To harvest these drugs. Yeah. So there's mo motivation to free them from this position that they're in. Yes. And uh, that is the context Ooh. of the story. Yeah. I was just saying, bravo. You, you summarized all that very Jeez. well. Well, it, it is. That is a... It, it, this is a weird game. And <laughs> we, we never played the first game. So it was like, yeah. okay, we need to... I, you did a good job recognizing we, that. We might need to summarize the first game. Yeah. When you say it like that, it sounds like it's a bunch of fucking crazy shit happening. Yeah. But keep in mind, too, what everything you just said... Is a section. It, it's a, a subplot almost of the first game. Yeah. And so there's a whole other game that we're not even talking about with, with Bioshock One. Yeah. Um, 
One other thing I wanted to say real quick before we go back into the Bioshock 2 intro okay. is... Um, we still have not gotten to, the, <laughs> to Bioshock 1. I know. Bioshock 2's first level. We haven't even started talking 1% about Bioshock 2. We're still talking about Bioshock 1. Oh my god. Uh, right. Okay, so Bioshock, you said, real quick, and I just want to say this because I think it's important. Okay. Andrew Ryan, the guy who created Rapture... He was sick of the outside world and wanted to create his objectivism society. And this, these games take place in the late 50s. So in the 60s. Uh, this, this is 1968. The original was in 1960. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, so it takes place in the uh, 60s. So the aesthetic of Rapture is a mix of form and function, and that really informs its character. So, uh, Andrew Ryan had to build a city that could sustain, sustain, sustain <laughs> itself underwater. So, there's um, an industrial look to things. Certain areas have pipes. Certain areas have, like, you know, uh, glass ceilings. Um, it's it's a underwater... Um, it, it's meant to survive underwater. But then on top of that, Andrew Ryan also wanted, uh, like, luxury. Or, you know, there's there's a... A certain modernism to the city, which again, these games take place in the 60s. So, in the interest of looking cutting edge and uh, uh, being able to function at the bottom of the ocean, the city is built with a 60s aesthetic around sort of an aquatic industrial look. Uh, there's seaweed growing on things, but there's also uh, sort of 60s cartoon caricatures. Vending machines and slot machines look like they're out of 60s Las Vegas. You know, those two elements clashing makes a really unique environment that is a lot of fun to explore. And then on top of that, in Bioshock 1, you're not coming to Rapture in its heyday when it's normal people walking around in a luxurious 1960s underwater city. You're coming to Rapture when it's basically completely decayed and rusted. So you're seeing the remnants of this city, which makes it even more interesting because you're thinking as you're playing it, what could this have been? And that's sort of the stage that is set for Bioshock 2. When you start it, you're again sort of starting after this city has already basically collapsed. The normal people that you run into are one in every 30 people. You know, mostly you're running into drug-addled, super-powered splicers. Um, or big daddies and little sisters. That's the environment that these games take place in. So at the start of this game, uh, it is revealed that well, I don't know if it's revealed, but it's established that you're uh, a big daddy. You're a person in a big daddy suit. You have a drill for yeah. a hand. If you've never seen a big daddy, a big daddy is basically a big man in a diver suit. They've yeah. been genetically modified to be gigantic, hulking, uh, like 1920s, 1910s diver suit with the big old giant glass bulb head with the with the like tubes coming out of it mm -hmm. to protect them and whatnot or there might be like an even older model like the 1890s which kind of is what you look like you look like a the first like diving helmets mm -hmm. yes like basically picture a big daddy as a deep sea diver from before uh 1950 yeah uh it, it uh captain cutler's ghost from scooby-doo that's yes. what a big daddy looks like with a drill on their hand and again a really awesome mix of just the design of a Big Daddy. It's form meets function. 
Rapture needed people in scuba suits to work on the outside of the city. Yes. So that's where the need for a big daddy came from. We need a big, strong guy that can live underwater, basically. So that's why they have a drill for a hand. That's why they have all these uh, lights on them. I mean, they're basically that the repurposed uh, mm-hmm. people who were supposed to work on like the girders and keep everything in check to make sure that this place doesn't co- collapse because you're underwater. Right. Things are going to corrode. And that's fucking awesome. Like, we're talking so much about this because it informs the context a lot, but it's just so fucking cool. It's so, like, otherworldly, but seems so practical, um, which makes it awesome. Uh, Anyway. Yes. So the start of Bioshock 2. Start of Bioshock 2. It starts on 1958. We get, like, a title card, or, uh, like, a a time card that says 1958. Uh, And... In the context of the first game, there was a revolution that happened on New Year's Eve in 1959. Mm-hmm. So this is 1958, a year prior. The rapture is fairly uh, like stable. Um, and uh, you're a big daddy walking around. You see a little sister who is also walking around and you are like following her. She takes your hand. Uh, you go through a party uh, where mm-hmm. you eventually lose sight of her. She goes out of the party and then you and what's cool about the party is you see like people's reaction to the big daddy yes. very clear that the people are like very hoity and they're like what is that thing doing yeah. here which is interesting um, um because as far as the bioshock continuity goes this is the first time in the games that we've ever seen rapture pre-decay yes we see rapture like uh when it's actually a functioning society yeah and you see it through the the eyes of like the other essentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, you're uh, the big daddy eventually makes it out of the party and is uh finds the little sister uh with uh a woman who is like uh who has the little sister and uses a uh or no first you find a bunch of spicers mm-hmm. who you who are trying to kidnap the little sister uh, in the cutscene, the you as the big daddy beat them all up. Uh, you kill them, and then uh, you are eventually um, like used. Uh, you're eventually uh, like hypnotized to uh, to be pacified. Um, and a woman walks up to you and is like, "Okay, you can stop now. Like uh, you you won't hurt this child anymore." Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, has you take off your helmet, You uh, she gives you a pistol, and it's like, shoot yourself in your head, in the head. So you shoot yourself in the head, cut to black. Like, And what I really like about that cutscene is you don't know the little sister, but you instantly feel like a connection to her. Because mm-hmm. for the most part, it focuses on her. It doesn't yeah. really focus on the woman who is in front of you. It doesn't really focus on the splicers as much. Mm-hmm. You see their faces, um, and you see the faces of the people in the party. But like when... When they need to focus the camera and the little sister is on screen, it's focused on little sister. And she is mortified. Yes. And she very clearly is like, wait, shoot him in the head. Why why do you want to do this? She's begging. She's saying, no, no, no. Yeah. uh, The whole time throughout the cutscene, she's been calling you daddy, big daddy. Mm -hmm. She's referring to you affectionately. Like, she's very clearly comfortable around you. Like you said, she's taking your hand. So uh, she doesn't want you to die, but this cold woman tells you to shoot yourself in the head. And like you said, cut to black, you wake up. It's 10 years later. It's mm-hmm. 1968. It's after Bioshock 1. So we are after, after the decay. Mm-hmm. At the end of Bioshock 1, you take down essentially the successor to Andrew Ryan. Mm-hmm. 
and now it's like this place is even more in decay. There's like there's nothing. It's left. like a garbage pile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you are in uh, you are in Adonis Luxury Resorts, uh, which looks pretty cool. It's like a it's like a like a a, a kind of like a spa type yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, uh, I think you're woke up, woken up by Tenenbaum, who is from the first game. She uh, uh, she made the little the little sisters essentially, um, uh, and She's like, wake up, wake up, like, you, you, you know, you're back to life, and now you have consciousness, um, go, and, uh, uh, you, I think, let me, let me see here, uh, there, uh, there's a little girl who comes over your, uh, basically your mind, and, uh, named Eleanor, and she's like, uh, I, actually, I think Eleanor wakes you up, not Tenenbaum. Uh, I think you, when you wake up to... A, a girl, a young lady, not quite a woman, but not quite a little girl, I don't think. Uh, then it's Eleanor. Okay, just just saying, like, I don't remember exactly, but I think she said, like, you know, like, it's time to wake up. Yeah, like, that, 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 that's me. probably Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor wants you to want, wants you to find her. Mm-hmm. And, and Eleanor is the uh, is your little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, is From the uh, opening cutscene. Yes. Um, and she's grown older. You're like, why is she older? Um, well, that's 10 years later. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, when I first played the game, I was like, huh. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Tenenbaum is like, come find me. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. I gotta, I gotta go to, go to Atlantic Express. You're, you're given the, uh, your tools to start, uh, start with. You get your, uh, um, do you get your drill first? Or do you have your drill? I think you just have your drill. Yeah. You, uh, you have yeah. a drill on? No, I think you... Pull it off of another big daddy that's dead. I can't remember. <laughs> you didn't write notes for that? No, I... No, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. But you do get uh, you do get your first plasmid mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game. Plasmids are essentially your superpowers. Uh, this one being electricity. Uh, because they say like turn on this generator mm-hmm. uh, through audio logs. Audio logs are really important in yeah. Bioshock. That's a big uh, method of storytelling. There are these uh, essentially tape recorders lying around, and you pick them up and you listen to basically people's audio diaries, where someone will complain about their uh, spouse or their job, or they'll just talk about living in rapture, and it really uh, helps uh, fill in the gaps for like the this lived-in world. Um, I wanted to say too about this first section of the game. Uh, I recently watched a video. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up here to make sure I give this person credit. Um, sorry, give me one. This sec. is great radio. It seems like you haven't done this ten times. No, I know. Uh, I did it last time. Yes, I know. You fucking idiot. Okay. Um, Thanks. So uh, Ben plays games. I don't know anything about this YouTube channel other than this one video, but they made a video called Examining Bioshock's Terrifyingly Love Clever First Level. The and first Bioshock. The first Bioshock games first level. In that level, they t- or in that video, he talks about how uh, they don't really give you a whole lot of prompts. They lay things out where you can discover for yourself and play around a little bit. Um, but with the first level of Bioshock 2, it may, and maybe it's because I just watched this video before I started playing, um, but uh, I, I felt like I was 
getting more, more, it was less of let me just play or let me just explore and more of like prompts on the screen of like, pick mm. this up, pick that up, go over here. And it was, it was a little disappointing for me at first. They have the big ol' arrow on right away on this screen. Yeah, right. There's a big ol' arrow in this that is pointing to your objective constantly. You can turn it off. But right away in this game, it is like, go over here. And it's like, oh, there's no mystery where I'm going. Yeah, right. You don't get to... Because in the first Bioshock game, you come out and you just kind of walk around. Like, it's it's kind of a narrow hallway, but you get to guide yourself. The first Bioshock opens with you, with an intro from Andrew Ryan. He's like, hi, I'm Andrew Ryan. Here's mm-hmm. my story. I'm Walt Disney, and I'm going to take you through why I wanted to go to the bottom of the ocean. Yes, and it sets the stage really well. Yes. But with this, that opening cutscene did a good job of intriguing the story, um, but I, I didn't feel like it had that same sort of oomph that the first game did. I feel like at this point, it was like, okay, we know Rapture. Yeah. Just get me there. And this one is more character-driven. I feel like the the... First game, really, the only characters are Andrew Ryan and uh, Atlas, uh, Alice Fontaine, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, Atlas Fontaine. There's Tenenbaum, but she's well. Not. You're forgetting Sander Cohen. Yeah, but Sander Cohen is not like a like he's not like active really, except for the yeah. one level. He's more of a subplot than anything else. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the character the character interactions in uh, the characters like. Are informing the world and the story, and like how 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 yeah. Rapture itself is like made up, totally. and how that it is like formed, and the politics of it, and whatever. Like everything with the characters is tying into why this place, why was this place one uh, fruitful in its day, and how did it collapse, and why did it collapse? Yeah, yeah, and really and, well said. Yeah. And uh, uh, in this game, uh, I feel like you don't need that as much because you already know why it collapsed. This feels more like it's like icing on the cake. Some uh, and I feel like it's really good icing, but I'm interested to hear what you say more because like they they introduce this character at the beginning, uh, Sophia Lamb. Mm-hmm. She is uh, uh, the character that sh- told you to shoot yourself at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game. Uh, it is very clear also at the beginning of this game that she is the mother. Of your little sister Eleanor, um, and uh, I wrote down she she says she wants to raise Eleanor through. Let me look at this. Wants to raise her daughter to advance the common good through social psychiatry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is that should inform everything you need to know <laughs> about how Sophia Lamb feels about her daughter. Yeah, and uh, how she feels about. One, her role, like Sophia Lamb's role in the world, and her legacy, and like what that means for like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because Sophia Lamb is the exact opposite of Andrew Ryan. She is a collectivist, mm-hmm. meaning she is like uh, she is more on the far left political spectrum. She thinks that people should help each other. She thinks that people should use the like their own uh, like self to advance everybody else and she, uh, uh, she's like is everyone to work together and this game is also deconstructing that because at the same time she is to that to the extreme and yes. also in in a manipulative way mm-hmm. of like the 
as you go along, you, you find more audio diaries of her coming into rapture. Um, you, early on, you find one from Andrew Ryan that's like, I don't understand what's going on. The people are not listening to me. I'm going to, I, I'm heard about this Sophia Lamb. Let's bring her down to rapture and have her work with me to try to get the people to listen to me. Yeah, it's really interesting that he, he says essentially like, uh, these these people that are complaining, do they not appreciate rapture? Like, yeah. they what do they want? Government interference or they want like some church taking their money? Fine, I'll bring this lady in if she can quell the uh, great chain's weakest links, I think is what he yeah. says. So he's not keen on bringing her in. She's more means to an end. Yeah. And which, it's, it's... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Which should inform you about also, like, as you learn later on, she does... Uh, uh, that is a very stupid move on his part because uh, she is the exact opposite of him, meaning that she's going like, as soon as she sees this place, she's like, whoa, okay. Like, she, she's like, oh, this has a lot of potential as a society, but it's run all wrong. Like, yeah. this is crazy. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm glad you said that she's the opposite of Andrew Ryan because this game definitely plays on ideas of like individualism versus uh, the power of a group. Yeah, uh, Andrew Ryan, as you said, is all about individualism, and it's interesting to see how Sophia Lamb takes the power of a group to uh, the other logical extreme—not uh, logical extreme, but to the bad end. Uh, where uh, the more you go through the game, uh, you're getting more and more uh, hints at Sophia Lamb's followers. She's—it becomes clear that she forms a sort of ideology around her, where yeah. people will listen to her. She says she's saying. Um, instead of like, uh, essentially like if you steal, she says stealing Adam is like stealing from the family, mm -hmm. referring to the rapture family as like the collective group of the citizens of rapture, meaning that it's like, well, if you're stealing, you know, from little sisters, you're stealing from, uh, you know, from everyone. And it, whereas I think Andrew Ryan would be like. You're stealing from me. Yeah, I own the little sisters. I copyrighted it. Damn mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a fun idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're going along. You uh, you exit out of this like spa area, which is. It, it, I feel like the the intro for the Spicers, like you were saying, like it's not as interesting. You kind of just like you you go and see like one of them get shot, and then. You just have to go up and like shock. Uh, I don't think you shock him. I think you just. I think you drill him to death. Yeah, and well, then it's like okay, like that's it. Whereas the intro to a Spicer in the first game is like you're trapped in the bias, the bath sphere, and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to get out. What what? And like a guy comes up to him, and he's like, Hey, we got we got another one here. Wait, yeah. we're gonna get you. And then it's like, Oh shit! Like okay, like and uh, and then you see like uh, a bunch of spicers get taken down by like, a big daddy and stuff. And it's like, Oh, like I was scared of the uh, the splicer, and then it's like, Oh, now I'm scared of the big daddy because he took down the thing I was afraid of. Mm -hmm. Which it, like it sets up two equal like two enemies and it gives you a complete understanding of their relationship to each other Absolutely. whereas this game is more just okay i guess i'm shooting a guy now yeah and it's it, it feels unfair to compare them because uh on the one hand this is the sequel we know where we're at anyone who picks up this game 
Uh, they probably played Bioshock 1. Like, it, it's fair to assume that anyone playing this is coming in with, with context. But on the other hand, you can still set things up knowing that your audience has context, but do it in uh, a way that the first game did, which is a little bit more, not artistically, but a little bit more presented, a little bit more thought out. And I, I understand that like you are a big daddy, and you're mm -hmm. also like the first big daddy, sure. your subject Delta. So it is, it is like, okay, I am at the top of the food chain. Yeah. How, how are we going to show that I am at the top of the food chain? And it doesn't even really do that. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's, it feels like a missed opportunity. Like you said, it just kind of says, like, and now you're playing the game. You know, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't lay anything, a sequence out for you to illustrate that point as much as the first game did. Yeah. So. And you can do that without relying on uh, player context from the first game. You can do that uh, on your own merits yeah, with this you, game. They could have, like, by just giving you the drill, the drill is a great weapon, mm -hmm. but it's like one of those things of, of okay, like, how could you have introed the drill better? Like, yeah. could you have, like, when they intro the, um, the shock plasmid, the electric plasmid, they're like, here's a splicer facing a pool, shock him, and then they give you a prompt at the bottom of the screen that's like, when you shock people, it will like cause them to be stunned, and then you will do more damage if you damage them. Mm -hmm. So you go up and you drill the enemy, but in the, like that should have been more of like an intro. Well, you know, like maybe maybe give you the shock plasma first, and then you have face splicers. Yeah, learn one uh, at before you get the other one, um, and it's it's so. I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it's it's not as intuitive and not as engaging to just get a prompt that tells you the information that the game's already trying to convey to you. Yeah. You know, I think that's has been talked about to death, but uh, in video games especially, show, don't tell goes a really long way. Yeah. But I, I, I still... I don't think the intro is, of this game is that good, but I do think there are other sequences in the beginning of this that are very good. Mm -hmm. Um... You get uh, you get a rivet gun early on, doesn't whatever. Uh, that's not really like a a big like thing that I think requires much intro. Uh, it's a it's essentially your pistol, um, but it's I'm playing this game on the hard hardest difficulty. This thing will one shot enemies with headshots. As far as we got into this game, like it is still one shotting enemies. Yeah, yeah. The rivet gun is so good. Shooting enemies in this game sucks. It feels terrible <laughs> compared to other video games. Like Bioshock Infinite is a godsend. Compared yeah. To, like game feel for this game. Like mm -hmm. you can tell this game was made in 2010. Mm -hmm. But it's like this rivet gun became my bread and butter. Yeah. Like it's so good. I, I found myself going to. Uh, because uh, there are ammo depositories in the game where you can go and buy ammo with money that you collect. Yeah. And whenever I went there, any I was stocking up on rivet gun ammo first. I said, I'm spending as much money as possible as I can to max out rivet gun ammo. And then if I have any left over, I'll get other kinds of ammo. Yeah. But that is the most useful gun. Hands it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good gun. And it's all, I like that it's creative. Like, all the weapons in this game, save for maybe, like, the chain gun, feel... Uh, feel creative because it's like a drill and then your pistol is a gun that you use to nail rivets into a girder underwater. Yeah, it plays into the, the character that you are, the yeah. environment, the aesthetic. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's something else that uh, sort of a, I don't want to say a bias I had going into this game, but 
Uh, I knew beforehand that you play as a big daddy, and that that felt like almost like a, a kind of like simplistic way to uh, make people more interested in the second game. Because in the first game, you don't play as a big daddy. Big daddies are just a very memorable part of it. Uh, so for the the second game to be like in this one. You're playing as a big daddy. It feels like yeah. almost like a gimmick to to get people interested. It's it's like uh, if uh, Han Solo was the main character of the second Star Wars movie because he was so popular in the first one. You know, it's it, it kind of just going into it. I thought that it was going to be more, more of a lame, gimmick, more of a gimmick than it was. But it, I think the fact that it as of where we're at in the game because we didn't play all of it. Uh, it, it's central to the story, and they did little things like uh, have the weapons yeah. designed around being a big daddy helps it a lot. We'll get well, yeah, and we'll get to that. Like mm-hmm. uh, we're still in like this first level. The first like the the first real like fight that you get into is uh, uh, is fighting uh, a little a big sister. What did you think of fighting a big sister? Uh, presented cool. Um, I think the little sister has an interesting design. Big sister. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. The big sister has an interesting design, but I don't think it... It was fun that it... So that when you fight the little sister, right? Excuse me, the big sister. Shit. <laughs> when you fight the big sister, uh, she kind of overwhelms you. Uh, you know, like... Yeah. She. You, uh, I used all of my resources on mm-hmm. her. Fun fact, Ryan. She's supposed to almost kill you you don't need to use all of your resources because yeah. she will. You are supposed to quote lose the fight. It's a scripted fight. It yeah. sucks. Yeah, but I. I definitely I, after the fact, I had that same tone of thought where I was like, "Oh, I was supposed to lose. I just used all my river gun bullets." Yeah, I just. It, it's just like if I if I had known I was supposed to lose. Games don't do this. Just. I, I, it can work. It, it can, can be sometimes done work. I. In a game that is very reliant on resource management. I don't think that these work. The thing that makes me resent that uh, initial big sister fight more in hindsight is that later in the game, you fight other big sisters and you can kill them. So it, it at least for me, it set it up that the big sister is this imposing force that's there the whole game, but then later they're just an enemy. So I, I wish it okay. would have been a little bit more like, if you're supposed to lose that fight, have a big sister be this impending force throughout that you don't deal with until the very end. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that I enjoy the big sisters like as a fight Mm -hmm. because they are like interesting. And um, I like this intro, at least for the big sister, because it's like, Oh, what, what, what is that? Yeah. Like you, if you've played the first game, like the big daddies were like the, the one of the main hooks, like you can engage a big daddy at any point. You, uh, it is essentially like a, a player chosen boss fight mm-hmm. um, because they have little sisters that follow them around, and Adam is used as an upgrade uh, um, currency for your powers. So, uh, like, you have to choose A, do I want to fight them to get the currency, and B, when should I fight them? Do I feel prepared enough? Do I have enough resources? Um, you know, uh, do I think that I can skip them because I'm maybe running low on resources? The answer is usually no. It's not a hard game. I'm playing this on the hardest difficulty, and I'm never really running low on resources. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, you know, it, it, say what you will about the Big Daddy fights, but in 2007, it was like, oh shit, like I have to fight these Big Daddies. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and that was very novel for the time. Yeah. Being like, I don't know when I should fight these. It, it was, it was interesting. It was novel for the time to give the player the choice of you can fight these guys when you want. And until then, they're just wandering around. Yeah. They're, they're and this big imposing force in the game. That's they'll just get there. into fights with other splicers. Like they'll knock them around. They'll be, uh, they'll, uh, uh, if there's a splicer, usually the splicers will ignore them, mm-hmm. but every so often you'll see a splicer comes down and, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to fuck up this big daddy. Mm-hmm. And you can actually use that as an opportunity to be like, oh, well, if we're all going to fight, I'll get in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so It's it's cool. And I'll, I'll never forget in the first game, like, when I was, the first time I was, like, uh, doing something, like, uh, scrounging resources and a big daddy just walked around the corner. And I go, oh, oh wait, I don't have to fight him. Okay. Yeah. I see cool. I'm going to be cool. It creates such an interesting... And uh, dynamic. So the big sister, they essentially are grown-up little sisters. They are, uh, they wear giant diving masks. Well, they're all in black, I think, um, and they're like live. They have a syringe on their finger mm-hmm. instead of like carrying around a syringe, so that they're able to extract Adam out of uh, other splicers and dead corpses to like regain health. Um, they're able to inject you to steal your health and to get help back for themselves. Um, they're super nimble, and they can also use plasmids because other big uh, uh, they uh, uh, other big daddies do not use plasmids. They just use their gun, uh, or if they have a drill arm, they use a drill arm. And uh, it's the, as far as their appearance goes. You, you described it a little bit, but they basically look like a female version of a big daddy more or less yeah. like with with maybe a a bit more of a um stereotypical female figure than a big daddy has a stereotypical male figure yes um but that was another thing too like talking about going in this game with a little bit of bias against it um i 10 years ago whatever when this this bioshock 2 came out um i was again that seemed like a gimmick like You've heard of big daddies. Well, here's the big sister. And it's like the lady version of the big daddy. And it seems like something that is redundant to me. And as far as the way big sisters function in the story, it feels like an add-on to a good idea as opposed to a new idea in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, that's Bioshock 2 in a nutshell. And it's it's the, the creators of the game going... Well, we're stuck making a sequel to a game that literally has no reason to have a sequel. It's Ghostbusters 2 problem. That's fair, yeah. Of, of this movie ended perfectly, we don't need to make another one. Yeah. I mean, it, the ending of, of Bioshock 1 is not perfect, <laughs> but it's it, it's like, it, you know... It, it's wrapped up in it's a nice bow. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't need a sequel, but the corporate overlords go, this sold really well and got great reviews, so make a sequel. Right. Um, this game also had multiplayer, which I don't think we'll ever get to, but no. uh, for context, this game also had multiplayer at a time when like everybody was like, add multiplayer to a game, because if you don't, then people will sell it. Mm-hmm. Or, people so. won't, won't buy it. No, they'll sell it. Oh, it, sure. it added replay value. Sure. So, yeah, and no, everybody was chasing Call of Duty. And that was... just come out, call, uh, the, 
the game had just come out the same year as Call of Duty 4. Mm-hmm. And it had the same progression system and, call, and whatever it called to be for. Huge we don't need to get into that. Wait, real quick, did you play Bioshock 2's multiplayer? No, not at all. Okay, yeah. I don't know anyone who did, honestly. It basically was dead on arrival. Yeah, so. Well, and that's, Which that's, sucks, but, you That's know. a shame, like, it's a shame that we'll never be able to talk about it because it's just not a popular multiplayer game. Like, you, you I'm assuming there's a server out there somewhere you I'm can sure. play Bioshock 2's multiplayer. But I'm sure like, there's, like, some group that's hanging on for it. it I can't think of a game that is less suited to multiplayer than Bioshock. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, that just seems like such a tacked-on yeah. thing. But I don't know if it is, because we'll never play it. Yeah. But but anyway, back to this this little sister, or big sister fight. Yeah, you fight the big sister. Uh, she uh, eventually, uh, like, overpowers you and runs away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the next thing that happens, Ryan, knowing what I know about you? Oh, yeah, you get flooded out into... The big sister jumps up. And scratches the big window open, and the the ocean spills into the room you're in. Uh, and I, to share a little bit about myself, I'm very afraid of the ocean. Uh, I don't like big things that swim. I don't like the idea of being surrounded by water where I'm not as functional as I can be. And it's a uh, phobia that I have. So I, that I was more interested in that because I, I remember you saying when you played the original Bioshock, you were like. It was creepy because I'm in these tubes, and at any point I'm like, one of these is going to burst open. In the first game, it never happens. Mm-hmm. Ever. And in this game, it happens in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. I I, I was... My initial reaction was like, oh, fuck. This is going <laughs> to... I'm going to have to like fight a big whale or something. Um, but no, I, I think the game did a good job of... like. This is your intro to Rapture. This is yeah. your welcome to Rapture. Mm-hmm. And... and because it's your intro, they set it up. Like, you can see the big sister doing, uh, uh, scratching the window open before it happens. It doesn't really happen like a jump scare, like, suddenly. It's sort of like you see it coming. That's why I was interested, because I'm like, I could, I, I would love to play, would have loved to have played this with you and get your reaction, because you'd probably have been like, oh, fuck, is she doing that? Yeah. No! I, initially, I was like, oh, fuck, I have to play underwater, fuck this. But, uh, it's, they do a really good job of making it like a new dynamic to the game. Uh, you get flooded underwater, and then at first I thought, oh, this is a cutscene, and something's going to scare me. But then I move. I'm like, oh, I can move. Oh, okay. And then I start playing, and then you go over a little cliff, and you see Rapture in its entirety. Yeah, you get, you get like a shark that's eating stuff. You, mm-hmm. get, you, you get a big old squid. Yeah. And this is, oh my god, we're like an hour in, and it's finally like... the. Bioshock 2. Yeah. Now we're into this podcast and we still have like three levels to go. (laughs) Here's the intro to Bioshock 2. And even in that moment, they give you the little classic uh, Bioshock violin sting. And it's, it's, it did make me nostalgic. I was like, oh, I'm back. I'm here at Rapture. Yeah, you're like, oh, oh, it's shitty now. Yeah. (laughs) It looks looks even worse. You know know what? Which I thought was great because like in the first game, you see it from the outside and you Mm -hmm. see it like, or you see it from the inside and you're like, Oh, I can't wait to explore. And in this game, your first, like, your intro to Rapture is like you wake up in this spa and you're like, uh, in a puddle. In, you're like this, uh, back in Rapture. And then when you you finally get the sting of like, you're back in Rapture. It's like underwater, and it's like you're like, ah, fuck. Like, <laughs> this place is all like it's uh, you're already underwater. You're like, shit. Here we back, go back again. here again. Okay, yeah. it's uh. It's interesting with the first game. I think the reason I was more scared of it was because 
you see yourself descend. You get in a pod and you're brought down into Rapture and you think, oh fuck, I'm going really deep in the ocean and you see like fish and squids and shit swimming by you as you're approaching Rapture. With this one, like you're saying, you already start in Rapture. So the idea that we're underwater didn't hit me as hard as it did when I was playing the first game, if that makes sense. So that's your, that's your intro to Rapture. You can see that you walk underwater. Yeah, it's uh, cool. Uh, a, the, uh, the little sister swims away, or big sister swims away. You're like, okay, and then you enter, a, you enter, a, you enter into a uh, like a air air decompression, decompression chamber. chamber or whatever. And that's that's cool though. Like, uh, if there's one way to present Rapture in a new way, uh, have the character be able to swim around on the outside of it. That's at least a new yeah. dynamic to engaging with with the environment. Yeah, you have to get to uh, Atlantic Express. Uh, so says Tenenbaum, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can traverse, uh, traverse the, um, traverse the city using the Atlantic Express, uh, and this level, uh, well, I, I don't know if this is the level, cause it's kind of just like the next area. Um, I would say that the next level is like the next level. Um, this level is like a continuation of the last level and it would, and uh, the intro for this, you meet Sophia Lamb the exact same way you meet Ryan. Yeah, and in a little elevator with a lot of screens where she's yeah, talking. It's not an elevator, it's just like a it's like a room. Yeah. But it goes completely dark and you have like a bunch of screens turn on with her face and she's like, Oh, it's you, Delta. I'm I'm gonna send my goons out to get you. Goodbye. <laughs> Which is what happens in the first game with Ryan where he's like who are you? <laughs> did the did the mook send you? Did yeah. the government? You're a spy. Mm-hmm. And this, she's not even like that. She's just like, oh hi, a, a Delta. Uh, I thought I dealt with you. Uh, whatever. Let's uh, uh, have have my other my my lackeys deal with You'll you. You'll be dead soon anyway. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, and she I, shoots the floor. They shoot the floor out from under you. Mm-hmm. Did did that feel like a retread to you of Bioshock yes. One? Yeah, that felt like. Uh, oh, this is the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you get uh, telekinesis plasmid from from the uh, from Bioshock One. From Bioshock One, but you have to you have to do hacking. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the hacking from the first game? What did you think of the hacking in this game? Yeah. So the hacking in the first game is a pipe mini game. It's a uh, you line up this water going through these pipes. It's hard to describe, but it's basically like a puzzle game to hack things, and in this one, the hacking is a little dial that moves left and right, and you have to push A to stop it on a green area to hack. There's also blue ones that give you a bonus. Yes, and I, in the first game, I appreciated that they did, like, a little mini-game, and it kind of stopped everything to just play this. Even as redundant as it got, it was a total different gameplay than what you were doing in the moment. With this one, Bioshock 2, I appreciate that it's streamlined and, like, quick. Like, hacking does not stop the whole game dead in its tracks. <laughs> but at the same time, it w- it's a little simple. You know, it's, it's not horribly uh, unique. Which works fairly well, but it's, I, just, it's just not as interesting. I would argue I don't like the puzzle game at all. That's sure. my le- one of my least favorite aspects of Bioshock 1. I think a lot of people agree with yeah. you on that, too. And I think that's why they changed it in this one. Mm-hmm. And one, you have a hacking gun. Mm-hmm. So you get little darts that you can shoot out. That in, in two. They're in two. Yeah. 
you get a you get a you get a hacking dart that you can shoot out to to hack things from a distance, which you couldn't do in the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you because it doesn't pause the action, you can move around, and hit, uh, all you have to do is hit the A button when this little arrow goes over a blue or uh, green like line, and it doesn't interrupt the gameplay at all. And you can like do it during combat. And it feels pretty good mm-hmm. to me. I think it's it's seamlessly integrated. Like what you're saying, you can shoot the thing, walk away, and keep hacking, and then switch right back to your gun and keep shooting people. You can also you get an auto hack dart, and yeah. later on that just like you can be like, I don't want to waste my time doing this hacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can shoot that out, or eventually you get a little turret that you can shoot out with the same gun, mm-hmm. which is super fun. Um, so I like the hacking gun. I think it's good, good, good uh, weapon. Mm-hmm. It's fun. At the very least, I like that it's different. Yeah. I, I like that it's not the same as the first game. Um, yeah. Do you think? I mean, d- does hacking need to have weight behind it to no. feel? No, it, it can just be a gameplay mechanic. So. I mean, yeah. hacking is like whatever. Like I, I like I've never been like a guy who's like hacking should mean something. I, I think it's the idea that. It's, it's cool to feel like you're really, like, hacking into this system. Like, in Bioshock 1, when you're doing the pipe game, it feels like you're really I would argue, you no, know, it doesn't feel like that, but, you know. Sure. I mean, it's not like Fallout 3's, which Fallout 3 and the subsequent Fallout games have their problems with their hacking minigames, mm-hmm. but at the very least, it's like a password-guessing game. Sure. And I feel like it's more involved and a little bit more fun than this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to do that, then I, I like that hacking, at the very least. Like, this is, I think, better because I just think that the last hacking minigame is, like, so intrusive and so, like, and not... It doesn't line up well with what you're doing on the screen. Yeah, I don't mind. I guess what I'm getting at is stopping the game dead in its tracks to hack is an interesting idea to give it some weight, but stopping the game dead in its tracks to hack with a little puzzle game, I think doesn't really work as well as intended. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I guess I miss the stopping to hack because it adds a little bit more like, uh, ooh, I'm, I'm doing activities, I'm uh, working my way through the city and I'm in the system, uh, but I don't miss a tedious puzzle game that is like a mobile phone game, yeah. basically. I mean, this is fast and it gets the job done, which yeah. I think I think works well. Definitely, definitely so. works well. We get telekinesis. Telekinesis is the same power from the first game. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, okay, we're just we're we're doing that again, yeah. uh, which I you know I, I still appreciate because it's it's uh, it's fun. Like they got they got a little they do the same thing in the first game where they like have like a little pitching th- in the first game they have a pitching machine pitching stuff at you to catch stuff. In this game, they intro it to you by having like a pneumo tube that's uh, that uh, like a vacuum tube that's shooting like chocolate bars at you where it's like oh this is like again incorporating everything's still really broken and now i'm i'm learning how to catch stuff mm-hmm. which if you care about that no it, it, it works it engages you with the environment yeah and it tells a little bit of the story too so yeah it works well um uh i don't think there were i didn't really write many notes for like the audio diary diaries for this area it's, uh i wrote one note that um I think the first audio diary I picked up was um, some lady talking to workers uh, where she was like, um, 
Uh, hey, just so you know, if the roof is leaking, make sure you plug the roof and clear people out of the pool if you're going to restart. Oh, that's the, in the that's the very first one. Okay, that's like yeah, that's that's the first one ever. Okay, in this game, that and that was telling you start the generator up if you need. Yes, it was also telling. Uh, it was like a classism thing, which I thought was a theme throughout this game. Yeah, classism is huge in this game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I, I did not get I did not very, write very many notes. So. Next thing that we do, because I don't remember what else we do, we get to Ten Bomb finally. Yes. She, she uh, and looky there, you can actually see her face in this game. In mm -hmm. the first game, you just see her silhouette, and you see the little sisters, which look terrible. <laughs> the first games, little sisters look like the worst things ever. Yeah. Uh, go look them up. They look like bug eye freaks. Well, when, when they're not little sisters anymore, after, if you cure them so they become normal little girls, yeah. they look like bug eyed freaks. Yeah. Yeah. They still kind of look like bug eye freaks when they're not when they're in their little sister form. But that's appropriate because they're supposed to be unsettling. Yes, but like. In the in the in the first game, like you're supposed to be like, oh, they're cute now, mm -hmm. and it's like they are not cute. No, but in, in this game, they're adorable. They're, they have they're little ponytails. They look like little girls. Yeah. yeah. So, and, um, and it's it's interesting. In the first game, I think it was really smart. You never see a character really directly on, like you don't see a character model close up until really the very end of Bioshock One. But in this one, they show you characters right away. Which I think is a positive and a negative. As far as the presentation goes, it's good to put a, a face to a voice that you're interacting with, but you lose a little bit of like isolation. You lose a little bit of like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm stuck in this environment. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I forgot there actually is a uh, audio diary that I want to go over because oh. it does what one it does inform the story of what's happening. Oh, uh, it's it's a guy being like, I gotta find my little girl. Yeah, she's just I don't know where she went. She was Basi kidnapped, and yeah. I came to this fucking city to find her. Basically, they're kidnapping little girls on the surface and taking them below, and you, it's like at this point you don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, but, they're creating new little sisters. I yeah, think. and you find a couple audio diaries of this guy, yeah. and he's like, I saw a little girl, and it wasn't my little girl. This one had like glowing eyes, and some crazy crack addict was trying to slice her up or something. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. He's like panicking. He, it's, it's the only other guy who's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And interestingly, when you pick up audio diaries... You get a little picture uh, on the screen in the bottom right-hand corner to yeah. see who's talking. This guy who's searching for his daughter, it, his picture is in color. Yes. Everyone else's is in black and white. Yeah. So it's very it's an interesting uh, distinction for him. Yeah. But it makes sense, too, because it, it evokes like, oh, this guy's from the outside world. Like, maybe he's even a little more modern. Uh, so it, it's yeah. an interesting uh, addition. Um, uh, and I think it's in uh, like Tenenbaum tells you when you finally get to Atlanta Express, she's like, somebody's starting up Rapture again. They're kidnapping girls on the surface. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. I awakened you because I think you can help. Uh, and then she essentially also just goes, I feel bad for what I did to the little girls and little sisters because I created them. I'm going to peace out. Uh, bye. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, like, you're on your own, Delta. Uh, take this train... And here's the, this guy, Sinclair. Uh, he will help you. Um, he's a means to an end, though. He's kind of a shitty dude. But it, 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 you you might be able to trust him more than Sophia. So I'm going to take off. Here's Sinclair. What did, you, what did you think of Sinclair? 
Uh, I think he's interesting. Okay, so we're not beating the game. So we're not. We, we haven't beaten it yet. Sorry, yeah, we have not two. beaten it yet. We will beat it. So I don't know if there's going to be some kind of development or reveal with Sinclair, but as of right now, I think he's kind of boring. Essentially, he's your Atlas. Yes. In the first game, you had a you had a guy over the radio who was like, "Hello, I'm trying to save my family. My name's Atlas." Mm-hmm. Eventually, revealed that he's actually the guy who started the revolution in Rapture Fontaine. He's been lying to you and manipulating you the whole yeah. time. At the end of the first so, game, so uh, obviously in this game, you're like. If you've played the first game, you're like, who is this? Yeah. I don't know if I trust him. Yeah. And he's uh, got this like uh, sugary, sweet, southern drawl where yeah, you're like, like, all right. It's me, Augustus Sinclair. I owned a hotel. Yeah. You seem like a right good kid. Why don't you walk on down that little tube there? Yeah. And you're like, all right, buddy. So you got to defend a train, uh, I think, while he, he enters it. Yeah, which was weird, like... Again, it, it's it's weird. Maybe that's to see. later. Maybe that's at Ryan Amusements. I don't remember. I think it's after Ryan Amusements. He guides you through Ryan Amusements, so you can come I think pick he's, him. I up. think he's in Ryan Amusements, so you're. He's like, come get me at Ryan Amusements. Yeah. So you like defend the train. You enter the train onto Ryan Amusements. You unlock it. And it's not then, really the the defense of the train is not really important. It's just like okay, I defend yeah. the train. Yeah. Out of the second level, Ryan Amusements. But but yeah, you see his character model like walking out, and it's just weird yeah. to see. So many characters just right in your face. Well, you learn about him. At, do, if you found a lot of audio di- diaries from your, your, him, mm-hmm. you learn that he's like an industrialist. He's like, he's like, I'm getting one over on Andrew Ryan. Like he's constantly like making schemes, mm-hmm. trying to get one over on the public. He sounds like Lindsey Graham, like his voice. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, uh, and that's all we'll say about that. <laughs> uh, but the second level, Ryan Amusements, you get into it, and Sinclair's like. Ah no, kid! There's ice on the tracks. You gotta, you gotta melt the, you gotta melt the ice on the tracks. Uh, and so he's like, "Why don't you go on down to to to, to Ryan Amusements and you pick up a fire plasmid mm-hmm. and then you, and then you melt the ice and then we can hop on out of here and get uh, and get on to the next point." And you're like, "All right, Sinclair, let's, <laughs> let's go." And you go to Bioshock's Disneyland. Yeah, it's and, awesome. What did you think of Bioshock's Disneyland? I loved it. I loved... (laughs) That was something with this game. So, like, we... I was trying to play it quick to get ready for this recording. You played Uh, it, like, last night. I played it, like, in the last two days, yeah. Yeah, I played Uh, it over the weekend. I actually... I had it on medium for a while, but I set it to easy towards the end just so it would go a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it's really hard to play a Bioshock game on quick... Because I just want to soak in the environment. Yeah, I want to I, look at everything, every I, detail. I wasn't sure if you went and, and found, like, essentially, this is Ryan's propaganda land. Yeah, Andrew which, Ryan's which propaganda land. We could, uh, essentially, he, he's like, I don't know. At first, he's like, I don't know if I want to create this. Are people really going to, like, are kids, because it's aimed at kids, mm-hmm. are kids really going to like my Disneyland this I don't know what to do to make it he he's he is so he is not a Walt Disney Walt Disney like understood children yeah Andrew Ryan is like what do kids like do they like capitalism (laughs) (laughs) what if I build a robot of myself to tell them about how evil capitalism is no how evil the surface world is and how good capitalism is it's so funny to go through and see Andrew Ryan's like (laughs) perverted Disneyland where he's like welcome to (laughs) 
to <laughs> Ryan uh, land or whatever. And he's like, uh, down here, everything's awesome. On the surface, they'll kill you. Have <laughs> yeah. a good time. We, we can get to that eventually. But yeah, my, yeah. My, uh, the, uh, the, the beginning that you get to is you, you see like, um, you see like, an intro of like learning how he made which is cool how he made the the rapture he's like we dig here and we we're gonna build it here yeah um uh, you're essentially playing like audio diaries and like have statues of of each of like the big selling points of like the of rap or selling points of the uh the um the events in Rapture, him digging for Rapture and creating it, them putting up all the girders, them discovering Adam, them, you know, uh, telling you to, to keep buying more plasmids and, and uh, say how great it is here. Cause it's propaganda land. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, this is actually, this is the first time that you fight a big daddy. They yes. tell you you have to fight a big daddy. You have to, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. story. And uh, uh, Sinclair's like, you have to fight this big daddy because we're going to need Adam to buy the uh, fire plasmid. Yeah. It's not... In the first game, like, I think the fire plasmid's just out, and a lot of them are just sitting there. Mm. And in this one, you have to actually go to the vending machine and buy it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he's like, you have to get the Adam... But you have to fight a big daddy first, and like we said it previously, fighting big daddy is like an event usually. This one, I don't feel like it was as an, uh, as much an event. It was it's like in a bar, mm-hmm. and you're like you're just it, it just feels kind of sad. It's in a well walled off area, so that if you suck at video games, you can easily get away from the big daddy. Yeah, there's like water everywhere because you have an electricity right. plasmid, so right. you can shock the water to well, shock the big daddy. It's interesting the way that it. Uh, it takes away, like, in the first game, because you don't really have to fight big daddies, they feel like just this imposing force around Rapture, which makes them feel more powerful. Like, they feel like these big threats. But in this game, the fact that it points you at a big daddy and says you have to fight him, it, it makes it feel more like I'm just fighting an enemy, as opposed to I'm choosing to engage with this otherworldly threat yeah. that's just lurking and around. And this is just the first time that they make you fight it. Yeah. And at this point, they haven't really intro to Big Daddy yet. Mm-hmm. The, this is like essentially your intro to the Big Daddy. You saw when you go underwater, you see like a Big Daddy fight some Splicers and defend a little sister. Mm-hmm. But it's underwater, it's muted, you don't get to, like, engage and, like, move around to see it. It's kind of like, okay, I'm... It it plays into the fact of just, this place is dying and this is sad. Yeah. It's... Yeah, definitely. It, it does feel sad killing that big daddy. Especially because you're a big daddy. You yeah. Know? Like, it's, it's like you, you feel for it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, you've had... Not that much contact with Eleanor, but she, like, she comes over every so often, and she's like, hey, you know, hey, uh, I don't know if she calls you dad, but she's just like, hey, like, I, you know, later on she gives you gifts, but she's essentially just, like, trying to path you in the right direction. She's not guiding you that much. Yeah, she's uh, like a, for context, she's like a psychic voice, essentially, yeah. that comes into your head. Um, and, uh, but in this game, they, uh, how you get Adam is well first of all when you kill the big daddy 
the little sister is crying over the big daddy mm. because you've just killed his protector. Yeah. You walk up to the little sister, demeanor instantly changes. Yeah. She's instantly like, hi, daddy. And you're like, and it's like kind of creepy. It's like, oh, I just murdered like your dad and now I'm your replacement. Yeah. And she's just like, here we go. Let's go. It's really interesting to, and then you like put her on her your back, and she's like a part of the gameplay now. Yeah, she she doesn't comment that often, mm-hmm. but she, every so often, like if you use a fire plasmid, she'll be like, "Ooh, toasty marshmallows," yeah. or uh, um, you know, she'll be like, "My daddy's." Better than other daddies, or like, like she'll like if you're fighting another big daddy while she's uh, while she's with you. There's really no reason to do that because you can only have one little sister on your back at a time. Yeah. Um, but the way that you harvest Adam in this game, instead of just harvesting it after you've killed a big daddy, is now you you have the option. You don't have to, and I never noticed this before. Um, but the first time they tell you you have to do this, but you actually don't have to after this point mm-hmm. is they, the use, you have her lead you to a corpse, which they have like a little line drawn out to find a corpse for you. She like essentially gives you a line to show. She, she show guides you. She yeah, guides you, you, you push a button and then you see a little path. Yeah. Um, and she takes you to a corpse with Adam in it. And then, uh, you set her down and then it calls a bunch of splicers around. It essentially starts a horde mode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you have a few seconds to be like, okay, it, one, you have a few seconds, but also because you know where the corpse is and because you get to choose when to put them down, you have like, you know, you can set up traps, you can pick the, like the cyclone trap plasmid, or you can get like uh, trap rivets to be, uh, or later on mines to be like, do I, or, or turrets to be like, what, do, do I want to set up to defend this or do I just want to let them come to me and whack them? Yeah. So, so it, it's interesting and I, I don't remember a lot of, I don't really remember any horde mode fights from the first Bioshock. There's not really. There's a couple defense parts, but there's there's no mechanic of just defend. Right. So, so. it's it's definitely something interesting, um, and it's it's interesting. Like you said, they give you the option to do it. You don't have to. Like it's completely optional yeah. from there. Yeah. Once on you've out. once you're done with because you have to do it twice. Mm-hmm. Once you're done with these first two, you if you want to. You can go and you can kill a big daddy in the level because there's usually two to three in a level. You can then pick up the little sister and either take her to the hole to like because there are like little vents in the wall that they go and they crawl like, into. They crawl into and you can save her. She'll crawl into the vent, yeah. or you can harvest her and take all of her. Adam. And you can you can harvest them right away as soon as you kill the big daddy, or you can pick them up and like take them to a corpse and harvest some Adam, or you can. Pick them up and then take them to a vent right away. Mm-hmm. You, you can you have like a lot of different options, and I th- actually felt that that like allowed for like way more choice, and also like because they're telling you like hey use like this little sister to get you Adam, it way more informs you to make the decision of whether or not you want to harvest him mm-hmm. because the little sister's on your head like on your back telling you like you know giving you a uh, little quips every so often you're defending her if you so choose like eventually Sinclair is like hey go and um uh go and uh use uh go choose whether or not you want to harvest her or save her and he's like but it's a dog eat dog world out there kid like 
if you harvest her, you'll get more atom, uh, or if you don't harvest her, you won't get as much atom, and you're gonna need all you can get because you know you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. So he's trying. He he lets you know very clearly. You can save her, which will not benefit you as much, but you'll save this little girl character. You get more upgrade points. Yeah, right. Or you could uh, harvest her and get a lot of atom, which yeah. is very valuable for for combat. Which in uh, like the first game, it's not as useful to harvest them because. If you save them, the little sisters will bring you gifts every, like, five or, like, intervals of five mm -hmm. levels of, of, of little, little sisters. They'll give you different plasmids. Mm -hmm. They'll give you more atom. So I think overall it adds up to eventually equal more than harvesting, but they don't tell you that. Yeah, well, and harvesting is quicker, too. Yeah. You, you could just knock out Adam and uh, you don't have to lead it to a corpse. You could just harvest it right away. Yeah, if you're just like, okay, I need to go. So, um, Did so. you feel, uh, maybe in that first moment specifically, but kind of throughout, have, have you felt like maybe uh, going back to the first time you ever played this game, did you feel tempted to harvest the little Never. sisters at all? I mean, I, I, I've always felt like this choice was bad. I, I, yeah. It, it's an arbitrary choice for not really a lot of reason. Especially in the first game, it, it informs the ending. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you harvest or, um, or save the little sisters, there's like, if you harvest them all, you get a bad ending. If you do a mix, you still get a bad ending. If you save all of them, you get, the, you get a good ending. Mm -hmm. So it's like, the game is essentially telling you you did bad for harvesting all of for even one of them, which I get it. They're little girls, you know. You They're, shouldn't kill children. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what, controversial controversial opinion, yeah. opinion. Don't kill children. Yeah, and these are so these are kids yeah. that have basically been hypnotized to mm -hmm. do this horrible thing mm -hmm. um, and they're kidnapped so it is like you're doing this these things against their will right so it's it doesn't feel tempting like if anything I feel sorry for the little sisters no. so why would I just be like I yeah, fuck them and kill them and then gameplay mechanic wise like you said you still get at them if you don't yeah. harvest them so there's not really a whole lot of incentive you, to not harvest them and the, and or to harvest them I yeah mean. you i never felt like by harvesting them like i'm getting more upgrade points to make it worth it like i was never like oh sweet like i get all these toys to play with now yeah if it was like double what it like if harvesting it them is double but, but it, i mean like double what it is like if harvesting them got you a crazy amount of atom yeah. like we just get a shit ton of stuff then it might be considerable uh but in order to do that they would probably have to illustrate it to the player and have you harvest a little sister at least once in yes. the game so i don't know maybe they just didn't want to do that with they didn't want to force the player to harvest if they didn't i think that that would be more interesting i mean it's sure. like it's like the it's like uh, a lot of choices in games. I think that by making you do something, it's more. It, it makes you feel something. Sure. By just telling you, like, do the good or do the bad. I think a lot of players are going to say, "Well, I'm going to do the good." Right. Essentially, like if you've seen like stuff like Mass Effect, like the the uh, statistics, like Bioware has the statistics for Mass Effect. Most people pick the good endings, yeah. like, and that's the like studies have shown. It's like most people pick the good options. Yeah, and that's a like sort of a separate conversation about like in video games when you lay out yeah. this is the good one, this is the bad one. 
you, I think in order to make the bad one more tempting, you need to really incentivize it. Yeah. And most games don't, at least, especially games from this era. Yeah. This isn't like Infamous, where it's like you get a whole new power set to play with mm-hmm. if, you, if you're evil. Or like uh, Telltale's Walking Dead games, where they give you like four options, and you don't yeah. really know what one's the right one. Yeah. Um, in this one, it's like very clear. It's like, harvesting is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to kill these girls. There's not a lot of gameplay incentive for it, and there's not a lot of story incentive for yeah. it. Uh, yeah, if it was like a big, fat, ugly old person, maybe I would, wouldn't <laughs> feel as bad. Oh my god. But it's a little girl. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> no. But she's cute. Like, I don't, yeah. don't want to hurt her. And, mm-hmm. like, I, and also, like, it doesn't make any sense story-wise because... You are a big daddy, and you have a little sister. Yeah. Why? Why would you harvest a little sister, and then how are you going to confront your little sister? Yeah. Which it we will get to that point eventually, but it does address that, mm-hmm. which I do like. Well, um, we'll see. I'm not there. Yet. So. Um, well, okay. So after this is after this area is the um, the lady who runs. Let me look up her name. Uh, Grace Holloway's area is next, correct? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really like talk as much about like the ride that you're on. I mean, oh yeah, sorry. Let's talk about Andrew Land. Andrew Andrew Ryan Land. Uh, It's it's a it's a it's the most boring ride ever. (laughs) Uh, It is definitely like a a '50s like style. Like people will love this because they've never seen it before. Yeah, it's it's a small world uh, logic. Yes, and um, and it's. Uh, Andrew Ryan speaking in a chair basically giving you lectures about why capitalism's great and why you should love Rapture. Uh, and he's like, the farmer tills the soil, but the government wants to take his money that he's using, that he earns for harvesting his uh, his crops at the end of the work week. And it's like, it's a little animatronic display. Not little, it's like human-sized animatronics and it's some robot farmer just <laughs> farming, and then this giant robot hand comes in and grabs him and pulls him away. It's amazing. It's so awesome. Yeah. And I, I love that part because uh, as much as I, like, it's easy to say, oh, Bioshock is a, a you know, a rebuttal to Ayn Rand's uh, idea of objectivism. But with, like, I, I'm not an expert on the subject, no. you know? So what <laughs> I liked about I. this part, yeah, sure, neither of us are experts. Uh, but you can so easily learn Andrew Ryan's philosophy through this little because uh, yeah. it's it's essentially him propagating his philosophy for dumb kids. So I was playing it like, oh, that makes a little more sense now why yeah. he wants to do that. He's like, you know, shouldn't a scientist be able to do whatever experiments yes. he wants? Which when you're a kid, you're like, well, yeah, like a scientist should be able to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it's not taking into account like. Well, you know, you can't do whatever you want as a scientist. You can't experiment on people that are unwilling. And, like, Andrew Ryan's philosophy is like, no, I'm the scientist. Like, I should be able to do whatever I want. It's really interesting the way he says, like, the scientist, his progress is stopped by government and, you know, uh, other people's selfishness. He also says, like, uh, his, his, uh, I think, I didn't, I don't remember, but I think one of the reasons he wanted to go to the, uh, um, go under no he doesn't have a son never mind i'm wrong he he says he says uh he says that kids uh, he's like parents and and uh think they have the uh, you know this this they've taken advantage of religion and 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 all of these systems that that people put in place but 
but like the government, they go, no, you're going to go to war and you're going to die, kid. Like they, they've got one up on the parents by, by being able to say, we can take advantage of you. We're going to send you off to war. Yeah, which honestly... At the time, after World War II, yeah. was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, oh, that, that is pretty real. Like to, you know, that, that was the one point in the ride where I was like, oh, he's, he's kind of got a point. Like that's, uh, that's sad to have to be in a world like that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, it, I love... Uh, it, it does also just like it's like okay like all of these are very like there there's a reason why you know we have taxes there's a yes. reason why we have uh we have regulations on scientists there's a reason why you go into the military like to fight a war especially something like world war Two, where right. it was a much more black and white like all right, Nazis fucking suck. Yeah, everything Andrew Ryan says in those rides could very easily be refuted. Yeah, um, I love him. Did you notice like the, the? It's like essentially like a, like a. He's like we're going to the surface, and it's like houses and like street signs. One of them's like this one's like conformity lane. And yeah, this one, yeah, it's like collapse avenue. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's... Uh, uh, you know. I get what he's doing. I love you. Find like you can find a. Uh, an audio diary afterward of like a guy um, who's like, so here's what you do to woo a lady. You take her on on the on the Andrew Ryan ride, and and when the big old hand comes out, then you hold her real tight, and you're gonna be in Tunnel of Love City, oh boy. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of the uh, Andrew Ryan land. Uh, you find an audio diary of Andrew Ryan, and he says, like, I wasn't sure about, you know, this whole ex- uh, experiment, uh, but I-, I found a young lad when I- yeah. he was leaving the park, and I asked him what he thought of Andrew Ryan land, and he said, uh, well, chores don't seem so bad now, because I don't want to be up on the surface. And yeah, so he's, uh, Andrew Ryan land worked. Yeah, he's like is, a point of pride. Which, uh, seeing it as a viewer, you're like, there's no way this works. Yeah, This yeah. is so dumb. <laughs> and it's like, oh, these 1950s stupid people are like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take away my money on the surface. They take everything I have. Which, you know, as you learn, the next level, as we go to, ooh, Popper's Drop. Basically, you, uh, at the end of this level, you finally get the fire, and you gotta defend uh, the train after you melt the fire. Real, uh, Sinclair comes out, and he's like, thanks, kid, bye, I'm going on the train. Real quick, could I say one other thing I liked about uh, Andrew Ryan Entertainment Land? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you So you get the little sister, and it's tempting you, like Sinclair says, oh, you can harvest her. And you walk through a room of uh, like decommissioned animatronics and like dummy parts. There's like robot yeah. arms and robot heads everywhere. Uh, as you're supposed to be debating on killing the little sister. And mm-hmm. I really like that because it was just a nice little touch to add uh, the idea of, like, dehumanization, of, like, breaking people down to, to parts, basically, to, to usefulness. You're surrounded by all these dummy heads and all these bodies, these artificial bodies on the wall while you're trying to mull over the, the thought of harvesting this living person for what they're worth. Uh, yeah. So I just thought that was a really cool touch. I never put two and two together, but that's that's a good point. There was there was just something that I, I wrote in my notes, so I wanted yeah. to make sure I said. But anyway, did, did you fight the big sister? I did. Okay, so yeah. you are, you found all the, the sisters that they in every level there are like two to three little sisters. When I think we've already said this, but when you get them all, you fight a big sister, mm-hmm. and this and you can do that in this in in Andrew Ryan Land, and it's it's not very hard. No, I, mean, I, said, we said I that kicked before, her ass. But, you know, yeah. So, even me playing the hardest difficulty, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be hard. 
It's not. Yeah. The they the the thing that I like uh, the thing that I like about it is that it's like uh you actually I think you have to I think you have to fight her once you get fire. Okay. I I, I don't remember, but in, in the no, later, yeah, you do have in to the fight later her. levels yeah. it's when you have to get the the, the uh uh, when you harvest or or uh, or rescue all the little sisters, but in this they're like, oh my gosh, kid, you're gonna have to fight the little sister. You better prepare, mm-hmm. and they give you a bunch of time to set up traps, um, which and buy stuff, and then uh, they essentially just throw her at you, um, and it's like red. It's like oh, like oh, it's you know, angry. It's like it's it's like uh, I, I think I think like Sophia Lamb is like you know. Uh, the family's coming for you now, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because uh, they're essentially Sophia Lamb's like lackeys, like mm-hmm. mind con- mind controlled, grown up little sisters that are that are now in this sorry state where they have to fight you. They're, they're basically like Sophia Lamb exclusive big daddies. Yeah, they're they're her slaves. Mm-hmm. They're her SS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good so. comparison. Um, and no, I, I was actually surprised when I fought her, the big sister. Uh, I, I thought that it had been the same big sister throughout up to this point. So I killed her and I was like, oh, I guess there are multiple big sisters. Like I was surprised yeah. that I killed her. So. But yeah, you, you fight her, you melt the ice, you get on the train, you go to Popper's Drop. Yep. Which is, uh, you... Uh, you get on the train and they essentially say, uh, like Sinclair's like, oh, we don't have this key card. We need this key card to access the next area, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, this place is run by a woman named Grace, Grace Holloway. You got to go get this key from her. And you get like over the loudspeaker. I think like uh, Sophia's lamb's like, ha good luck here. Grace Holloway is like one of my like best followers. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to like get it you know get uh the key from her um and uh so you start out in this uh this area that's it's the um the place underneath the tracks of of like of the uh of at the Atlantic Express mm-hmm. which if you've listened to some of the audio diaries one of the audio diaries says the Atlantic Express was basically made as the first transportation on uh in uh rapture and much like you know this society does uh it uh it like basically once it became obsolete with the bath sphere because you could use the bath sphere to travel 360 degrees underwater the bathosphere is like a uh yeah. way of getting around the most efficient way of getting yeah. around the city the Atlantic Express fell into disrepair mm-hmm. and nobody used it anymore so uh, like the um, like the, this this place like is essentially like after that like what what one like what happens to these people who have to man everything like underneath these tracks and uh, what happens to people like at their lowest, you you essentially get to see Rapture at the very bottom, which you got to see a little bit of that in the first game from the Rebels, like, but it was more behind the scenes. It was more seeing like what 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 were people like when they were when when they were fighting uh, Andrew Ryan, and, and it's not as much of like um, it's not as much of that. It's more of just like who what is the average person like the day to day. 
Like, because essentially you have to have in the society, you can't have everybody be the top Mm -hmm. because there has to be people who repair the, who repair the outside. You have to have the lower class. Yeah. And you have to have people who are going to sell the goods. They're not all going to be the richie riches. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this is where they live. And like, Two, uh, Grace Holloway, like, really becomes, like, the, essentially their leader. Like, she, you learn through audio diaries that she's, that originally she was like, I don't know who Sophia Lamb is, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But she took therapy from, from Sophia Lamb, because Sophia Lamb's a psychiatrist, to, and Sophia Lamb kind of, like, built her up as a leader within Popper's Drop of, like, you, like, wear this butterfly, become the, my, like, spokesperson um, uh, for, like, the people of Rapture. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and because Sophia Lamb is the voice of, like, the common people on paper, even though Sophia Lamb is like, okay, what are you really doing for the people? You're taking advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. She, there, at no point, for one thing, like, you know, Grace Holloway's black, mm-hmm. Sophia Lamb's white. You know, I don't know what, like, uh, like, Grace Holloway says, like, old, like, people's, like, once they came to Rapture, you thought it would be, like, a new beginning. Andrew Ryan said, your background doesn't matter yeah. once you're at Rapture. But once people got here, it was like, well, their old prejudices came out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it can, like, essentially be read that, like, uh, even though Sophia Lamb was trying to help, was she really? Yeah. I mean, she is, like, a white woman that's then, like, taking advantage of a black woman. I, 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 I don't... I don't know if Sophia Lamb, like, I don't think you ever see where she lives. I don't remember, but uh, we haven't gotten there yet, but I don't think she's somebody who's, who's poor. No, I I think, um, there's a, excuse me, there's an audio diary that you find where it's, it seems to be her in like a public debate with Andrew Ryan, like a, a, not like a, a public debate, like a just a conversation, but like they're both on a stage yeah, at a podium. She, he, Andrew Ryan came up with this idea of, I'm going to debate mm-hmm. Sophia Lamb. People, people are starting to listen to her, but uh, like they're going to her therapy sessions and they're going, shit, like maybe, uh, maybe like, maybe this, uh, this, um, uh, like rapture and the, the thought of the one is mm-hmm. not as good as what if we all helped each other out? And Andrew Ryan was like, what the fuck? No, no. My kid is to be selfish. No, you gotta, you gotta do everything for yourself. So he says, meet me on stage, you idiot. And I'll show you I'm how gonna stupid you, you are. Yeah. And, uh, so I, for that reason, I think Sophia Lamb probably didn't, she, she probably wasn't lower class. She probably yeah. was sitting pretty in rapture. And he, uh, like he did say, I want, excuse me, to get, her from the surface. Yeah. Yeah, so. he brought her down. Yeah, which, which, like you said, was a really stupid choice. <laughs> and it was short-sighted on his part to, to be like, well, everyone's kind of sick of my ideas. I'll get this lady to kind of quell them. Yeah. Um, so. So she, Sophia Lamb's probably sitting pretty in Rapture. She's probably doing well for herself. She comes to Grace Holloway and says, I need someone who's a little more... She probably didn't say it like this, but she said, yeah. I need someone who's a little more human than me. Because she's kind Sophia of... Sophia Lamb is a cold-hearted bitch. Yes. Exa- I need someone who's nice. Yeah. And you seem nice. Grace Holloway is a singer. She's yeah. a, she's 
Uh, she seems like she has a great personality. She has a she, cool hat. Mm-hmm. She uh, she understands the people. She like her, this is her area, so she's like constantly coming over the loudspeaker, and she's like, "Tin Daddy's got a cold, it's cold so heart, cool. yeah, and yeah. he's gonna he's gonna take Eleanor away from us. You she, gotta stop him." She fucking hates you, Grace she Holloway. Hates you, yeah. She's yeah. always like, "You fucking suck. Who do you think you are?" Yeah, uh, and, and that's interesting. She. You learn through audio diaries and the way she talks to you. She actually, Grace Holloway, actually cares about Eleanor, it seems. She recognizes well, that Eleanor's learn, a little girl. Did you learn, did you listen to an She, uh, Sophia Lamb recognizes uh, that uh, Grace Holloway can't have kids. Yes, yeah, yeah. She, they had a therapy session about that, yeah. And she's like, you can't have kids. And you learn also that Andrew Ryan is like, Fucking Sophia Lamb. What if I just got Sinclair to take her to prison? Mm-hmm. Sinclair, the guy who's been who's been helping you. Yeah. He, he's like, what if I get Sinclair to put her in prison? And Sophia Lamb then comes to Grace Holloway and she's like, can you take care of Eleanor for me? I gotta go away for a little bit. I'll be back, but can you take care of her? Mm-hmm. And Grace Holloway is ecstatic. She's like never been happier in her entire life. She's she has like, a daughter. She's like, I... I feel conflicted. I shouldn't love this because uh, uh, as Eleanor's mom's going away, but I finally get a daughter of my own. Mm-hmm. She loves it. Um, can, so can, We haven't mentioned at this point, too, uh, something completely unique thus far to this Bioshock compared to the first one. Um, you find audio diaries of Eleanor. Uh, I'm going to say Eleanor Lamb, even though I don't know if that's her name. That's her last name. You find Eleanor Lamb. She is her kid because Sophia Lamb is like, mm-hmm. I went, th- you know, my th- the physical, uh, the physical uh, birthing process and nature's way. I I I I, I hate this. She yeah. says nature's prejudice. Yeah, she says it was my, the physical side was minimal or yeah. something like she she's the birthing process was minimal. It's so funny to hear a cold calculating like psychotic woman be like yeah i gave birth whatever like it kind of sucked which i get it like the it is so unfair that women have periods yeah. and have to give birth and men are like ooh i get a kidney stone every once in a while <laughs> prostate exam if it's you, fucking unfair if that but uh, and uh, but the way that she describes it she's just like whatever i gave birth it's she says yeah she talks about it like she like got a haircut like it was yeah. it was something so she didn't even think twice about it yeah which is weird because there's hormones that are released when you have children to make you care about your kid. Right. And it doesn't seem like Sophia Lamb had any of those. No. And you learn that she, it's further illustrated that she's a cold-hearted bitch because Eleanor's audio diaries are like, Mom told me that everyone who's happy in Rapture is basically an idiot and yeah. that we're cool for being sociologists and she's or like, whatever. she's like, Eleanor, uh, Eleanor's like, Sophia Lamb said that, uh, uh, her mom told me that uh, everybody in here is a dog, but like, I, they're, they're nice dogs. Yeah. I'm going to become friends with the dogs. Mm-hmm. She's adorable. I love Eleanor's little audio di- yes. diaries. Yes, and it's it's unique because as far as I know, in Bioshock 1 and then in this game, it's the only audio diary from a kid. I think so, yeah. Um, you never really get any, any audio diaries from kids, mm-hmm. um, but... But uh, yeah, you go, you go through this area. I I don't know if I 
I really like this area. You eventually get like a shotgun um, in this area, which is shotgun sucks until you upgrade it to six barrels. Yes. Oh my god. No, I uh, I was using the shotgun and it was awesome, but it would always run out of fucking ammo, or I would use it and then I have to reload. So I would use the shotgun and then switch to the. Yeah, weapon. I always immediately the next upgrade that I get uh, for weapons uh, is just. Give me the six barrels on this shotgun. More ammo, please. More ammo. <laughs> Even the first thing I upgrade uh, is more health. I always think like the, I just need yeah. max out my health because then I can take more hits and it'll just be an easier experience. Yeah. But this the the shotgun sucks until you get six barrels. Actually, uh, there's another thing that's introduced in this area before you get the shotgun: uh, the brute splicer. Yeah, I got the shotgun before I fought the brute splicer because they tell you. Or you can explore however way you... This is the first area where they really go, explore. Yeah. Take your time. Take your... See the sights, like, unlock some doors, whatever. And um, uh, there's the shotguns in a diner in the first area. So I just... I found it because I was looking around. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also semi-following a guide to find every audio diary. I was not following a guide. Well, I want to find every audio diary, even though I have all the trophies for this, <laughs> except for the hardest difficulty trophy. And you've beaten the game already. Yeah. And so. I will say, too, though, uh, this point, like halfway through uh, this level was when I switched it over from normal difficulty to easy difficulty, just to make things go quicker. Okay. So that was affecting... This is where I died and then found out that I... Uh, had turned off Vita Chambers mm. on an early oh, playthrough, and it kept this save, uh, or kept that option when I started this new game. So I went through the first two areas without ever dying, ever feeling like I needed to die, I was going to die, because essentially when you get down to final health, you have like an invincibility as like your character takes a breath, mm -hmm. and then you can hit like the med kit button. Mm -hmm. And I never really ran into med kits. I think you so. did text me that you... I, 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 I killed myself because I was dropping down yeah. from a height, and I and I and I didn't have enough health, and I I sh I don't know how I didn't have enough health. It was not a very high drop, but I died, and I went oh I spawn on a vital chamber, and I immediately was like back to the menu, and I was like no, no <laughs> what what, and I went am I gonna have to start over all the way, like from the beginning of the game, and then I was like. No, you have to start over from the beginning of the level. And I'm like, it's 10.30 at night on like a Saturday. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I I took, a, I played the rest on Sunday. At but least it wasn't the beginning of the game. No, that would have been, t then I would have been like, we got to play something uh, else. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but, uh, but I never died once. No, I died one other time throughout this whole entire even uh, section, uh, uh, section that we played through, uh, even though I'm playing on the hardest difficulty. So that's weird. Mm -hmm. But, um, but no, the uh, this you fight the brute splicer and introduces this guy, this big old hulking dude. Uh, you have to get up to Grace um, into Sinclair as a hotel. I guess he's like, "This is my hotel. I used to own it." Blah blah blah. Yeah, he says they took it from me, or uh, like Grace Holloway not, swindled me out of it, or something. Yeah, it's not really like like explained like why he owns this hotel, but he is kind of like just like. I didn't want it, and I, I don't want to. I don't like a being here when I have to come and manage it. Mm -hmm. But I own this hotel, and it's like okay. Um, and the uh, uh, this spicer puts a bunch of rubble in the way, and you have to. Uh, Sinclair's like, oh no, kid. You, uh, well, maybe you should find out why that splicer was able to do that. 
I'm like, I don't know, he's strong? Yeah. I'm like, why, why do I need... He, he says, you got to get a camera and do research on that split. It's like he's a big fucking strong... Sp- he knocked the rubble why, down. Why do I need to science. figure this out? Which, a bit, uh, which, in the first game, you had a research camera. It developed mm-hmm. photos... Uh, this the, for whatever reason, this guy was like, "Get me snappy snappies of the of the of the splices." Mm-hmm. I, basically, the, you use that to learn up uh, learn about splicers to get upgrades mm-hmm. to uh, like upgrades on on like doing more damage against splicers, uh, and could do uh, could get other upgrades like. Uh, you might get a tonic here mm-hmm. or there, like yeah, a passive ability. It's it's and are you, you're you're talking about Bioshock Two. How they use the camera? Yeah, both both of them do this. Yeah, I guess I guess both of them. Yeah, and both of them, it's it's basically incentive to vary up your gameplay style, and then you yeah. get rewards out of it. And in the first game, it really interrupted the gameplay because you could. It, the first game, you would just take out the camera, snap a bunch of snapshots. If you got like, uh, if you were like, if the enemy was attacking you, you would get like bonus points mm-hmm. for it. You would have a grading from A to D. Uh, and in this game, it's a uh, it's a video camera that you click it once. It starts like a lock on, not like a lock on. It just says like now you are recording, mm-hmm. and you and as you do more uh, damage to the splicer and attack it with a variety of attacks, you get uh, bonuses uh, and uh, uh, points point system add up to an arbitrary number and then it pays out to an ability and in this game you get uh, the or in this section they the way they teach you that to you is you have to learn from the brute splicer to eventually get uh, the uh, like drill charge technique yeah right which I was wondering replaying this I'm like I thought I had a drill charge because <laughs> it's a it's it's one of the most iconic like moves that a big daddy has and it's pretty useful yeah mm-hmm. um uh, but essentially, that's what you're doing throughout this level. Is you're you're trying to find this brute slicer, splicer to research him to unlock the uh, to unlock the ability to do the charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can explore otherwise. Um, and it's uh, the brute splicers were not in the first game, uh, correct? No. I'm not forgetting that. No. Yeah. Uh, and I, I their their design is interesting but I, I feel like they're a little uh they're less innovative than like the splicers were in the first game i feel like the the brute splicers are a little they remind me of like a tank from left for dead it's just like the big hulking enemy they just take a lot of hits and they're not a, like they throw stuff at you and what you can actually do is you can use te- telekinesis to throw the stuff back at them mm-hmm. which i thought was pretty cool but Otherwise, they're just like a big bullet sponge. Yeah, I, I don't. They didn't feel like they changed anything too much in the game. They just feel like a big daddy as well. Yeah. So they kind of just vary the gameplay a little bit more. Is you you might just you, like they will fight you when you ha- want to harvest Adam. Yeah, if you have a little sister with you. You know, I guess that that is interesting. I didn't think about it like that, but. Maybe they added more enemy varieties because they wanted to do that horde mode with um, atom harvesting. Yeah. So if it was just splicers coming at you, that might get a little repetitive. And it would be really easy because they yeah. just, just just that rivet gun will just one shot them. Mm-hmm. Even even at this point, it's it's just not even. I mean, this is the third level, but it's it's like oh, this is easy. Yeah. Easy pickings. So. And then a, a character that's more of a tank comes yeah. in and that varies it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, but. 
once you get that that charge ability, which is really fun, um, you um, you then go and clear the rubble uh, and are going up to face Grace Holloway, and she's kind of like taking, she's like taunting you and taking her death with dignity. She's like, you're coming for me, and that's fine. I don't care. Come for me. And it's like, okay. Like, uh, and I, I, I really respect that for her, because she's, she's like, she, at this point, she's like, uh, you don't really know that much about her. You know that she's like in Sophia Lamb's family, but at this point you haven't like gone to her home and really where you learn more about her is like in her home. Um, and it's, um, it's like, okay, like I, I gotta make it up there. Uh, no, I think you do go through her home to see her. Yeah. Once you want, uh, like I'm talking about one, as you're climbing up. Oh, okay. Sure. Like, I mean, there's some audio diaries that give you like context for <laughs> Sinclair, like mm-hmm. of like him being like, I've got a scheme where I sell needles, to yeah. people, uh, uh, like syringes to people mm-hmm. where uh, they, uh, they, uh, I sell them the syringes uh, uh, at a discount price and then I'll buy them back for double, but then I'm selling them to Ryan as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's like, he really is a swindler. He's scamming Andrew Ryan. Yeah. Um, and he's scamming the, uh, like he's scamming the other people as well by making them do his work. Cause mm-hmm. he's just, he's like, these are not worth anything. I buy them for double, but it's like, I'm already getting them for so cheap. I don't yeah. care. When, and, uh, Tenenbaum said that in the beginning, she was like, I don't think he's trustworthy, but he is an ally. Yeah. Basically, I think is what she says. So, so. but he uh, uh, he he kind of sucks still. But you're but you're like okay, like it still means to end. I'm 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 following him around. Uh, Grace Holloway's like been taunting you if you harvest uh, Adam. Like if you start have if you start harvesting Adam with him, like she won't be mad if you kill a big daddy. But as soon as you start harvesting a body, she'll be like. Uh, look at Tin Man. He he. Tin Daddy is gonna. Uh, he's taking one of our little girls from us. And mm-hmm. It's like I took the little girl when I killed the Big Daddy, and you didn't react. But now when I'm harvesting a body, you're suddenly pissed. Yeah, a, a body that's already dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's no. It's interesting. She thinks you're a monster. I mean, yeah, understandably so because you look like a big fucking monster. Yeah. But. Uh, but actually, Sinclair. What I found interesting is as you're climbing up, he's like kind of giving you a bit of the backstory, and he's like. It was due to a misunderstanding. Like, mm-hmm. her hate of you is not... It, this is, like, one of those moments where he starts to, like... Where I was like, oh, he's, like, starting to shine through. Mm-hmm. And I've played this before, so I, like, you know, I know his arc. Mm-hmm. But it is like, oh, okay. Like, he... Before he's like, harvest a little sister. Like, fuck him. But, yeah. like, here he's like... Yeah, Grace Holloway doesn't deserve what she got. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... Go easy on her, mm-hmm. kid. Um, I think, does he mention that she's old too? Yeah, yeah. She's like she's old and she's kind of helpless. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you eventually make it to the top, and you see her room. Her room is uh, um, still has all these years later Eleanor's bedroom set mm-hmm. up, very pristine. Yes. And can I uh, there this game like Bioshock One, Bioshock Two, and Bioshock Infinite. They're so good at presenting a scene to you in gameplay. Uh, when, when I got to Eleanor's room, um, I went around the corner and you just see like her bed, this big window that leads to the open ocean. Yeah. There's all this uh, stuff lying around. And it was just, I said, oh shit. And it, it wasn't like, 
oh my god, this is a, a combat thing, this is like an enemy that's coming at me. It was just like, this image just made me say, oh shit. Yeah, this is one of the moments that I think make, like, this game better mm -hmm. than the first game. Because in the first game, it's like a lot of just, hey, go around and do these combat sequences. And they don't really let you breathe a lot. Um, they do kind of with, like, some of the Sander Cohen stuff. Um, uh, but for the most part, it's like, pedal to the metal the entire time mm -hmm. in terms of like you know you are wandering around and there's way there's ways for the player to take a breather but like there's no part where like the game is like okay check this out mm -hmm. you know there there's that point i guess also where you finally get to andrew ryan's lair but yeah but well, this is like more of a character moment of like it's not like a like, in the first game, it's, like, a player moment of, like, yeah. check it out, player. I got one over on you. And this is more of just, like, a, hey, like, learn about what's happening here. It, it plays into, like you said, the characters in the story a little bit more. I think in the first one, because your character doesn't really have a defined uh, place in this world until, they're like, the reveal. But even then, that's more of a plot point than it is like something to make you feel a certain way for, yeah. for the characters in the story. This one is trying to evoke more feelings, I think. Like the, this, the story of this game. You have an yeah. emotional attachment to this these little sisters, and you understand where uh, Grace Holloway is coming from with her emotional attachment or her hatred of you. You feel, uh, in the opening cutscene, you're kind of like uh, people in the upper class of Rapture stick their nose up at you. So I think it evokes more of a feeling than just like, learning information like you were doing in the first game yeah so but i i i i uh, uh i like this moment it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a quiet moment where you get to walk around and check out like the scenery and like they i think they make you pick up to uh, at least one um audio diary the one is from like eleanor mm -hmm. where she's like you know i uh i'm i'm going to you know i'm living with grace you know uh and whatnot um uh, and then the other one is is from like uh, from Grace Holloway. What you learn is that she um, uh, at some point, for whatever reason, she lost Eleanor. She uh, she was on the street and somebody uh, somebody I guess took Eleanor. Like she couldn't find her anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then someday or one day she f saw. Eleanor again, uh, and Eleanor was a little sister, and at this like that broke her. Like she was like, "Oh my God!" Like now you you turned her into this thing, this monster Probably. that's harvesting dead bodies. Probably another reason why she hates you. Well, that's what she says. She mm -hmm. says she saw you with oh, that's right with Eleanor. Yeah, and she saw you, and she like was so rageful. Mm -hmm. She was like, uh, she's like, you took her away. Like you are the one who who uh, who kidnapped her. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, even though Sinclair says to you, she doesn't know about the like that big daddies don't have like a consciousness. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't know how they're made. She doesn't know uh, how little sisters are made. She doesn't know any of this. She just thinks that you are uh, the instigator of this conflict, which is really sad mm -hmm. so like uh, and um i think she she went to try to to get you back uh or to get to get eleanor back um and you like backhanded her 
Like oh, you, you broke her jaw. Yeah, yeah, you broke her jaw, and I think she couldn't sing again after that. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, she saw, I think, that. yeah, you're right. She saw Eleanor, like, went up to her as a little sister, right? And, and you as, as Delta. You beat were, the shit out of her. You as Delta. I mean, I don't even think you beat the shit no, out of her. you just struck her once. You, you yeah. struck her as, because you, you have the... If you go away from your little sister, you will die. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have this instinct of like, I have to protect her for my own safety, but also because I care for her. Mm -hmm. Like you, uh, if you get like a, you get a, um, uh, uh, you can find an audio diary very early of them creating the first big daddy and being like, you know, we don't know how we're gonna create like this protector bond, and then eventually they're like, oh, we've like figured it out, and whatever. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. That's a whole other thing too. Is like the big daddy little sister thing is a very like weird idea. So to hear like scientists break down like this is why it exists the way it is is really uh, uh it, it's just a really weird kind of process yeah. to hear. And it's after Su Chong died too. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, is when I can't remember the character. That was I think it's Gil. Yeah, Gil something. Gil Sullivan, uh, mm -hmm. and he's like. Uh, He's like, I'm taking up the project that Suchong created. I don't really want to do this. But, uh, you know, as we learn in, in Bioshock Infinite's DLC, that kind of just retcons all of it. It's like, it's because they, the Big Daddy rescued the little sisters. But then in, like, in, uh, in, in this game, because this game came before that DLC, it was more like, oh, like, uh, um, like, when the, Big Daddy, like, protected the little sisters from Suchong, and that created the pair bond, like, in mm -hmm. quotes. Mm -hmm. That that was essentially, like, only unique for, like, those little sisters, probably. Yeah. And it didn't, like, work as, like, a scientifically all of them being able to, like, help these, li these little sisters. It, it didn't work as a phenomenon that they could recreate. Yeah. But I, I think in this game they, they say that Here's how we recreate that. They explain with, it. With I'll, every I'll spoil big that. They do explain it. Right, sure. So. Um, but, uh, so it's, yeah, you you have this kind of, you're learning about big daddies. You're learning about uh, Grace Holloway. And you're learning about Eleanor as you go up to Grace yeah. Holloway's lair where she's standing. And and she, you go in, into a room and it's basically like you have a choice of like what do you what do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to? She she lays it all on the all on the table. She's like, do you want to kill me, mm -hmm. or do you want to just take this key card and leave? And she, like you said earlier, she's like, do it, you pussy. She's like, go ahead and kill me. I don't care. She's like, I know that you're a monster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh. I don't feel like there's any reason to kill her. I did not. I was like, oh, that's cool that I can kill her. But no, she seems fine. I'm not going to kill like, her. I guess what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to... They're trying to get you to be like, I'm pissed off that she's sending her goons at me. Yeah. Because um, she's the one over the loudspeaker. It's not Lamb. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt no compulsion to attack her. No. And then you, you look at her character model... It's it's an old woman like a, she's I, got a she's got a cane yeah she's got a cool hat like yeah. she just looks nice I I didn't look at her and think like again maybe if it was a big fat ugly old person I would be like yeah kill him but it's just like oh this is just a normal person yeah and you you had this moment with her early on where you listen to an audio diary of her being like I'm you know I'm really broken over the fact that I lost this little girl that somebody trusted me with yeah 
So it's, I don't want to kill her. Yeah. And I already know, I know that my character broke her jaw too. So it's like, uh, it's like adding insult to injury. Yeah. She is like, do it. I will say it was fun to like occupy this moment as a player, just to like walk in and like walk around the room and like leave the room and then come back. And, and I was curious, like, what's the, how engaging is this in terms of like the way that, yeah, that I love this because it's, it's just like, the first Bioshock was like, the humans look terrible and like none of them are shown to you face to face. But in this, like you walk in the room and you, you can stand right next to her. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she like the only other character that happens with in the first game is Sander Cohen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sander Cohen's already a splicer. So he looks fucked up. Well, you can, you see Andrew Ryan up close to the very end. Yes. Well, but in the middle, he, closer to the end, but sure. Yeah. But that's, that's more of a composed moment. It's, it's not, it, it's in a cutscene. You don't yeah. see him, you don't get to walk around him. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. As like you can here. So in this, Grace Holloway looks good and it, it, it's like, okay, like yeah. you, you know, it's it's more on the step towards Bioshock Infinite if they're using the same tech. You know, I don't I, think they are. I will say I was playing this on my 360 and the graphics did look dated, um, but they, they still look good. Like obviously it's yeah. a decade old game. And I'm playing this on a PS... Well, PS5 technically, but I'm mm-hmm. playing the PS4 remaster and it's running at like 60. It looks pretty good today. Still, I mean, I, I, the textures don't look great, but like the 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 character models look fine. Yeah, that's the 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 textures were like you could see some angles, you could see uh, yeah. some pop-ins, but yeah, the, the character model was great. Yeah. Um, and then, but yeah, for me, I just picked up the key card and I said, okay, I'm not going to kill her. Bye. Yeah. Same. I was like, all right, I'm out. I have nothing um, against this woman. Yeah. What did you think of... There are some stingers in this level. There's a stinger, because you leave, and she's like... If you choose not to kill her, she's like, Wait, maybe you... You're not so bad at... I thought you were just a golem. Yeah, she's like, A monster wouldn't uh, not kill me. A monster wouldn't just walk away. I think that's yeah. what she says. And there's a there's a musical cue for this that's like... Like, really... Really, like nice piano music that I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize the music in this game is so good. No, one of my notes was uh, music comes on during shootout scenes a lot of the times. Yeah, and this, 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 th- I, I, if you are able to see a video, go back and, like, listen to this. Because I'm playing this with headphones again, and it's like, oh, like, this is cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, like her just, like, beautiful little, beautiful little stinger of just, like, like, her being like, Wait a minute, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. if like that was in a movie, I'd be like, oh, this is like cheesy but kind of nice. Yeah, it's it's like she's realizing that oh, you're not a monster. And she's also like, I'm gonna have a word with Lamb because yeah. I think she's pulling one over on me. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, based on that interaction or that like dialogue that happens afterwards, I am curious what happens if you do uh, decide to kill. I've Chris never Paul. done it, but I I think. I know I'll t- talk to you about it later when we get to the ending the game, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's really no reason to do it. I, I figured that if you kill her, it's just, you don't get one particular, like, bonus ammunition drop or something. It's pretty much what happens. Yeah. That, that so. Could, but, yeah, it's... I, and that's the thing, like, again, it just seems like such an arbitrary choice. Yeah, but I, I still think, like, if you're going to do this, like, have choices, they're a lot better than the first game of just okay. harvest or save. Yeah, well, and if nothing else, it's a it, maybe I didn't feel compelled by the choice, but I felt compelled by the scene. Yeah, so, so 
Um, and I, uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to it as it, as the how this informs the rest of the story as we go along. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, we're leaving uh, Popper's Drop. But actually, uh, as you leave, uh, Grace sends you some drones, and they yes. got upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really need them <laughs> because you're leaving, mm-hmm. but they help. Yeah, I guess. It, it, it got the point across that she thinks you're okay. Yeah. I, I really wish that there would have been, like, maybe one more section of exploration to utilize the drones. Sure. Because you, like, I don't think you... You might get upgrades later for them, but they don't... You don't really need them. So it's just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. As I, you leave. I think in the next area... Because um, I don't think they follow you, is my point. No, yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just. It would have been nice if if it came up later, like maybe during some other scripted fight. Yeah, with, with like if would Grace like, Holloway hey, comes in. Hey, Tin Daddy, I got yeah. you some help, and it'd be like, oh, cool, thanks, Grace. Yeah, it comes into play later. It's oh, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, nice. But I, I mean, by it seems like these levels are very self-contained in that, like, here's this area you're dealing with this person. When you leave this area, you're not dealing with this person anymore. Yeah. So, uh, but then you leave. You go on to. Siren Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the intro to this level, Siren Alley, this uh, is um, you underwater uh, on the train going to Siren Alley, and suddenly there's a guy over the speaker who's like, "You shall not enter into our sacred." place or whatever shoots a torpedo at you yeah shoots a torpedo at the train and you end up uh sorry that was my phone but (laughs) the torpedo hitting the train sounded a lot like that yeah i hope that picks up on the mic (laughs) uh but you uh you end up getting like knocked off the train um and have to go make like a make a make a diversion to siren alley because at this point now uh um, Augustus Sinclair wakes you up and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm in Dionysus Park and, uh, he's, sh- this guy is, Sophia Lamb has shut off, like, the way that I can get to the next area and I'm running out of air, so maybe, like, help me, please, because, uh, <laughs> I'm dying and I'm, the, the, this is your only means of traversal. And you're like, all right, I, I guess, and like, you're facing the door to Dionysus Park, and it's like, you can't enter here. Mm-hmm. you got to go to Siren Alley. So Another really cool part where uh, you're out just kind of in the open ocean, and you're walking along the seafloor, and you pick up uh, slugs, yeah. which uh, you would know at this point that slugs are the uh, source of Adam. And they so, give you a little bit of Adam. Yeah, you can just pick them up and get some Adam, which is cool. There's also a big fucking shark swimming right above you. I didn't notice. I looked up because I was like, I hope there's not a big shark up there. And there was a big shark right up there. I noticed the the uh, the big daddy that was walking. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. I went, moving on. Yeah. You know, I, I like the um, underwater parts just because it's a, it's a different environment to be in in Rapture. But they, they are a little, like, just, they're, they're kind of just like rails. You know, you can't really like yeah. diverge too far from them. It's not like something like Soma where you can like ex- like they're they are rails in Soma, but you have like more of an open sure f- like plane to go around and explore. There is an interesting sequence that we'll get to later on underwater yes. that kind of does subvert that a little bit. Yeah, but, but you uh, you you enter Siren Alley, and comparatively to Popper's Drop, this place is boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's just, uh, 
I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. Like, Popper's Drop feels like an environment that people live in. This just feels like... It doesn't even feel like a place that's lived in. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like going from Popper's Drop, which has such a little nice contained story you learn about grace you learn about sophia lamb you learn about eleanor you learn about their relationship with each other and then you leave and whether or not you interfere with that or you don't like you know is really interesting and this is just we need you to find a conflict so you battle this guy who worships well you this place i guess essentially you just learn more about like the cult that sophia lamb has started up and it's not as interesting. Yeah, you know, now that we're talking about it, I am realizing, like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about this place. I mean, did you notice, like, there's, there's like, the, 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 if you turn to the left as soon as you get in, there's a paint, there's a photograph of the plane crash from the first game. Why? Yeah, and then, uh, it is the loading screen from the first game. And I don't remember The intro, like, menu loading screen. Which is, is that supposed to be, like... That's an event that people at Rapture talk about or something? Uh, like, I don't get it because it's like... Because you find later on pictures of Jack's hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and you can tell they're his because they have the chain on it. Mm, the chain tattoo. And uh, and it's like, okay. <laughs> like, uh, wh- why are you worshipping this guy? Because he took down Ryan? Are, were they worshipping him? I don't know because they have like... Uh, they'll have... They'll have like little... Uh, if you walk up, they'll have other pictures that have little uh, uh, words like epithets on, mm-hmm. on uh, in front of them, and I don't remember if these do. I don't think they do. But I don't it's think still, they do. Like, it's still present in the language of like of 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 like religion or whatever. These are very much framed as uh, idols that people worship, mm-hmm. it, it, similarly to like a picture of Jesus Christ in mm-hmm. a, in a church or you know. Uh, like a Buddha statue. Like a Renaissance painting of the Last Supper or something. Yes. Yeah. So it just, it's very weird that they have pictures from the first game of their protagonist and they can't show anything else because all they have are his hands. Yeah. It's like, okay, you don't have a photo of him? Yeah, it's it's just kind of like a weird, like mind-breaking moment. Not not mind-breaking, but you just look at it and you go, wait, what is that supposed to be? Like, why? Yeah, like, what does this mean? So I, I, I would argue that this that this area just isn't as strong. I like there are areas that like they have pictures of, I think Eleanor, but it just looks like a generic little sister mm-hmm. of like her like in a very angel like figure like mm-hmm. over, overlooking like a body as she's uh, a, a, a you could get the idea that she's harvesting these bodies, um, and we don't. We haven't gotten to the twist yet in this game, or like, uh, uh, which I mean, I don't know if there's a twist, but I guess don't tell me. Um, But but the uh, but we haven't gotten to. Do you know why Sophia Lamb wants Eleanor? Uh, Not no. Yeah, we're not not outside of. We're not there yet. So these these paintings mean nothing. Yeah, I know why, but like, and it's it makes sense to me, but it's also like, why are you doing this here? Well, I so not knowing that. I looked at these paintings and, and this environment, and I was I just got like Sophia Lamb became such a popular personality based on groupthink, basically in Rapture that people just started literally worshiping her. Yeah, I mean he's talking about the this 
Father Wales, this priest figure, is talking about, like, we're going to be reborn through Adam mm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You don't really know why he's talking about that? I, I just took it as general kind of ramblings. Like, yeah. at some point, people assigned that meaning to Adam, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, we know that it can rewrite genetic code. But to that point, like, okay, mm-hmm. so what? Um I don't know. Which makes it feel, like you're saying, it makes it feel dull. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is uh, I think commentary on organized religion has been done a lot. So going through this area, it just feels like I get it. You know, the, 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 the last area was so much more interesting from like a perspective of like you're learning about a place and learning how that place will inform the politics and the people of Rapture. Totally. Like there's, there's one audio log in the last area of like Ryan and he's like, I've come down to Papa's drop. I hate it here. Mm-hmm. Listen, like I thought I would silence Sophia Lamb by taking her to prison, but no, she had this woman, Grace. Mm-hmm. Listen to Grace, and it's Grace singing, and you hear like the echo of like her like singing for the public in Popper's Drop, and he's like, fucking Lamb. Like she <laughs> fucking propped up this this Grace person and I'll never like the blocking her up was useless. I'm yeah. back at square one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's like the the cunning of Sophia Lamb to have the foresight to yeah. be like, uh, let's find this really nice person to say that she supports me. So when I get locked up, this nice person's going to be my voice, perpetuating yeah. sort of my ideology. Yeah. Um, so and th- this place, I don't, I don't you. It's it's essentially the um, the the red light district of of. Bioshock, but you also already had that in the first game, mm-hmm. and it was a lot more interesting. Like mm-hmm. the, that was Sander Cohen's area, which had like you know different uh, like different areas where people could could have sex, or like how you know how they might use plasmids to have sex, or like you know uh, you learn more about Ryan through that area as he um, as he eventually like has a child and mm-hmm. like comes into his own as like. Uh, you know, having an affair and whatnot, like, uh, and, and this, it's just, here we go through this red light district that's owned by this priest and his brother. Yeah, and it's not, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of dynamic between, we have these two brothers, one of them's very religious, there's a this cult-like vibe to this area, and it's a red light district. Those elements never really, for me at least, flurried together yeah. in in a, in a cohesive way. You could make an interesting like story about that. Like how does how do Wales how do how do Father Wales and his brother Daniel like how would they interact with the people at this red light district? Would mm-hmm. they take advantage of of the people here? Would they like are they using it to prop people up? Are they using it to put people down? Are they like injecting like Sophia Lamb's ideology throughout this area? But they they don't really talk about that. Wasn't there an audio log where they say like someone came through and told them people that they could sell their bodies or something. Uh, I don't know. I thought I, I remembered remember. an audio log where they talked about like basically prostitution in this area. Well, I know, I know that Sinclair is like talking to you and he's like, you know, this, this place that the, there used to be like, you know, only that only God remembers what, what this place was like before, before it, you know, turned into, to, it's a seedy underbelly. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So I do think it's interesting. Uh, the so this area, you get the um, the spear gun. Yeah. 
Um, and real quick tangent, I love the way that you pick up guns in this game. Every time you get a new gun, it's just sitting in the room. It's just out. Yeah. There's no pomp and circumstance. We never talked about the machine gun. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a chain gun. Yeah. It's it's not. It's behind crazy. glass, which I think was pretty cool. Like you yeah. see it early, and then eventually a splicer breaks it open, and you go and you can grab it if you mm-hmm. want to. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, like that. That is cool. That the the guns are just a part of the environment. Like honestly, the machine gun pickup is the biggest like. Uh, flare when you pick up a gun like I, I think the shotgun like you said it was just sitting in a diner uh the spear gun was just sitting out yeah it's on a bed dead big daddy and you uh you just the, pick it up the, there's a bunch of impaled uh splicers like around that you can pick up the spears on and it's it's your sniper rifle and it's it's okay uh the uh, the problem is that like it doesn't exactly one-shot people if you don't get a headshot. So it is the sniper rifle, but the zoom-in doesn't feel really good. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I needed to use it a lot. Um, it's good, like, on on the the brutes because you can just keep nailing them with it because they're giant targets. Mm-hmm. But um, it's 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 fine. It's it's more fun than it is effective at combat. Like, yeah. it, it's fun to pin splicers to the wall with the spear gun, but that's not really, that's far and few in between. And you don't, I don't think you, you get rocket spears in this level, mm-hmm. but I don't think you get the trap spears yet. I don't think I have trap spears. Uh, you see them, they're around in this level, like they're already activated, and you can use like telekinesis to mm-hmm. like throw them at uh, other spicers, but for the most part, it's like, okay, I just have a spear gun in our rocket launcher Mm -hmm. um so it's not as fun i mean this is where you get the machine gun turrets for the for the auto or for the uh hacking gun which i feel like are more fun Mm -hmm. um uh especially like in the ways that i was trying to fight big daddies like i would like go this is like a big u-shaped area like two big u-shaped areas so i would like try to find a corner and try to lead them around a corner and then set up like a, a bunch of traps for them um and you could you can also get like a hacking uh, like plasmid that will turn all of the uh, area's security on uh, an enemy. So you can set a bunch of those down, and then this big daddy, the big daddies in this area, will throw mini uh, uh, little mini gun turrets at you, um, and you can use that plasmid to th- to get them uh, to get their own machine guns to fire at them. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Uh it's an interesting plasmid. I, I wouldn't have guessed that something like that could take up a plasmid slot. That feels more like a secondary yeah. option to me. So, uh, it's not the most useful one, but like in this area, fighting those specific enemies, yeah. it's like okay, like, mm, it I, I'm going to equip this every so often. Yeah. So, and it's kind of the the mentality with the spear gun too, where it's like okay, like this is usable, but not. It's not, it's it doesn't not feel as like good as the river gun. Yes. I, I did not upgrade the spear gun. I, I stuck with the river gun, stuck with the shotgun. Um, uh, didn't really use the chain gun that much, but I, like it's good with anti-personal ammo. Yeah. And and uh, and but that's about it. Like the anti-personal ammo can shred those brutes, but otherwise it's like eh, it's not the best. Yeah. Still I- the river gun. All the way. No, definitely. The river gun. And the river gun feels the most satisfying, too. It's just like a pop, pop, yeah. pop. It's the the chain gun. Obviously, it's a chain gun, so you don't feel like you're hitting every bullet, you know? It's yeah. just kind of going. And the uh, spear gun, 
Uh, it, it doesn't... The reload is so long. For the spear gun? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so, the, the uh, rivet gun's just the best gun. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I haven't upgraded the spear gun. I'm going to find the, all the, the upgrades, I think. And I don't remember if there's like a no reload option. Sure. If there was that, I could probably see that it being really good. That would be really good, yeah. But I, I pulled out the spear gun when uh, there was like one or two splicers left, and I wanted to have fun headshotting them into the wall. Okay. And then the cool thing about the spear gun, too, is you can go and pick up the spears again. So that gives it a bit of an interesting dynamic, but... Yeah. Um, thematically, other other than, like, you, you get a new weapon, you learn a little bit more about, like, the cult of uh, um, Sophia Lamb. But other than that, there's not a whole lot going on in this area. The story yeah. was not very compelling in this area. Um, um, you, the, like, they do have... The only really cool part of this area... Well, you do go... You, when you go... Okay, I'll intro this. The you go to the Pink Pearl, which is essentially like this, uh, this uh, this red light like stripper uh, stripper and se uh, sex worker area, mm -hmm. um, uh, where uh, I do like that like they have like the like booths that you can like peek on people like having sex, yeah, or like uh, stripping or whatever. Interesting. Um, yeah. And you have like a like you see like one of the uh, um, one of the. Uh, like a female spl splicer hanged so it's like oh this is really fucked up like people have taken like this to the extreme there's like at one point where uh you can see like a woman getting dragged away by a guy and he's like she's like no i don't want it and he's like we're gonna have some fun and you're like oh my god yeah um but like that that was from like the first game too so it's like not as interesting yeah it, it, it feels like a retread yeah yeah um uh uh but you fight daniel because uh, you have to get this code, because um, you're trying to get into uh, Father Wales's area to uh, I don't even you have to you have to revert some like air or something, and he's guarding it, and he's got a he he sent a bottle to his brother with the code to the area, and his brother seems to not like him, like mm -hmm. he's he's basically like like. Uh, he's like, uh, like, uh, he, he says about the bottle, he's like, I'm going to send it back warm. Yeah. Like he's going to piss it out and then mm -hmm. send it back to him. I think the, his brother's just like a normal guy. Yeah. He, he seems like a normal dude. I think they're both priests. Well, no, it wasn't the one I, well, the, the brother who was the normal guy, like was maybe an alcoholic, like he drank a lot. Oh, okay. I, I think that's because you go to his office maybe and it's I'm wrong, filled it, with a bunch of booze. I think maybe... I, I can't remember who it is. Somebody says that that Father Wales got religion. Yeah, at well, some point. that's the other brother. You find audio logs of him, Father Wales, and he's like talking to God or Sophia Lamb or whoever. Yeah. And he's like, uh, "Help my brother see the light." So I think it. Ah, okay. The implication is I thought like they were both priests. No, I think it's the one was indoctrinated into the Sophia Lamb cult, basically, and the other one was like, "I'm just trying to run a business here or whatever." Yeah. Um, which is, they could have played with a little bit more with, like, mm -hmm. one is really religious, and one of them's like, I run, like, the whorehouse. So they... And they don't really do anything with that. No, it's, it's like, maybe said, but it's not really a part of the environment. No. It would have been cool if maybe there was, like, one section that was a whorehouse converted into a religious area, and you yeah. have to fight your way through that, and then the other one's just a straight-up whorehouse... Maybe maybe we shouldn't call it Horios, but a place where people go to have sex. Yeah, the sex uh, the sex worker 
the establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, um, but yeah, like I, it's a, it's un, it feels like a missed opportunity compared mm-hmm. to the last area because um, you even just kill him. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like, they introduced spider slicers in this, but they've already been introduced in the first game, so yeah. they don't feel threatening. And did you notice, they're all voiced by Yuri Lowenthal. Really? Every single one. Really? So if you I, play this, and you're like, I played this with headphones, so I could tell where they were always were, and I was like, I hear Yuri Lowenthal. <laughs> like, I can hear it. Like, and they're, uh, spider slicers can climb on the wall. They have, like, hooks attached to their hands, and they really like to, like, contort um, so they're like twisting and like whatever, like all over the wall. They're essentially the girl from, uh, from, uh, ring. That, yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, they, 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 they have a lot of moments where they cut the lights and then like a spider slicer, you can hear them in the vents, mm-hmm. like on the ceiling. Just like you could in the first game. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't notice they were all Yuri Lowenthal, but I did notice they were all the same. Yeah. Try to, try to listen next. You'll be like. I, I know. They're, they're all the same voice. Yeah. The other ones are, are, like, the other splicers are not the same voices. Like, they'll do a little bit of variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in this, you can always tell it is a spider slicer, splicer by be, it being Ben 10. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm like, oh, Ben 10's here. <laughs> that is who that is. You're right. Yeah. So. Uh, real quick, I just want to say about the splicers. Um, this is tangential, so I apologize. But, That's fine. Um, I love... The idea of them, uh, I, I feel sorry for every splicer in a way, because uh, they're they're basically like addicts that you're that yeah. you're killing in self defense more or less. Um, so I love that idea as an enemy, um, as as like you know in most video games you're fighting the enemies you fight they're just like a faceless nameless thing, but I like that you can. Uh, fight splicers knowing that they were at one point citizens of a thriving city. I mean, you're basically putting them out of their misery in this world. Yeah, more or less. It makes everything kind of more depressing. Yeah. um, And I like that. So, So, quick side note about splicers. Um, Would you have preferred if they had introduced a new kind of splicer instead of the spider ones? Yeah, I think I would have. I think it would have been more interesting. I I, I don't know if they introduced any more splicers. I can't remember. I, I think this is pretty much it. Is that sequelitis, though, that they don't introduce, that they bring know. back the spider slicers? I, I think so, but it, it's just like, the, the area that they're going through, this 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 sex worker um, place, is just, it, it, it's, it's, it's trying to be an event. It's, try, it's like cutting the lights at some points, like, Daniel is, is leading you along, and he's, you know, he's, he's cutting, like, areas, like, I mean... I guess that's later on when you're going through the little sister orphanage if you go want to go there but uh, like this area it's very much just like okay like we're gonna play the 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 spider slicer card again which is the same as the first game yeah right. so it's it just doesn't feel as interesting mm-hmm. uh so uh, you get the code and you have a boss fight with the, he he essentially has the health of a big daddy or a brute splicer. Super, honestly, super boring boss fight. It's it's so boring. I, I completely forgot about it until we started talking yeah, about this I, section. It, there's two turrets that you that he kind of leads you to, and I just... I, I camped these two turrets yeah. and just was like, do you want to come in, Daniel? And just <laughs> and just camped him while, while shooting him. Again, I didn't die once in this... I think I died... Earlier in Popper's Drop, like not not uh, not when I killed myself, but just like fighting a big daddy and being like, ah shit, I didn't I didn't check my health. Right, right. Um, but I I didn't die ever after this point. Mm-hmm. After that point, I was just like, ah, okay, like it was really easy. What what would you 
What would have made it better, do you think? I think what might have been made it better is if you would have had like somebody who has like a more unique power. I mean, this already is like a is like a a game that feels like it's retreading a lot, but maybe if they would have had somebody who has like with the big sisters, they can throw fire at you, they can pull you in, they try to regain health from other enemies, like maybe if like he might have done that, like if he could revive people or call people, like one kind of twist. So I, but he doesn't do anything. It's just kind of boring. I, I guess with with this with Bioshock, you can either go with a gameplay mechanic uh, twist or like being interested in the character from a story perspective. Um, and I, I, this one really doesn't do either. There's no interesting gameplay mechanic, and the story is yeah. not particularly engaging. I wish I would have written down because I have. We can move on from Daniel Wills, but the next thing that I have down is. Sophia Lamb is like, I'll kill my daughter for everyone, okay? What? And I don't know what that was in context. I don't remember that. I, I think I found an audio diary of her being like, I have to use Eleanor for whatever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I don't remember what it was in context of, so I, I think that sucks. <laughs> I, I wish I knew what that was in context of. Did you, because the next thing that I have, did you go to the Little Sister Orphanage here? I don't think I did. So, the Little Sister Orphanage, you missed out on a cool part. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the only cool part in this area, besides the very end, uh, where you find where Eleanor stayed. Mm. When she was uh, first captured as a little, as like a little sister, put in those Little Sister Orphanages. If you uh, don't remember in the first game, uh, Fontaine set these places up as he would essentially be like, people who died in the, like, the riots and the rebellions, I'd set up these little sister orphanages and also kid kidnap little girls mm -hmm. and then uh and then uh i'd essentially say like okay people people will come and and like i will will take care of these little girls until we get to the point where we can ship them off to become little sisters so if they never got adopted we can we can basically they're they're using them as a way to front their little sister mm -hmm. factories and you walk through that area here you go through it it's actually like one of the only areas that's really scary because it's like this game's not scary but they have like a moment of like uh of like a lot of the a spider slicer are like fucking with you and closing like gates around you oh, and then you get to the very top and it's um uh you see a bunch of beds and it plays like very like ballerina y like tinkly like mm -hmm. music um and you walk up and see uh we haven't been talking about it but eleanor leads you like these red wagons mm -hmm. with uh upgrades every so often that's when she sort of telepathically communicates yeah. with you uh, and she doesn't talk talk to you here mm -hmm. um but she has an audio diary in this area and you see similarly to uh when you get to grace holloway's place like in her room they have the height chart. They have this, mm. the same height chart, which mm. doesn't make any sense because it's like, why is she growing the exact same? Like, it's like they, they just copied and pasted the, the height chart. Right, like, okay. yeah. Well, that, that's just a very compelling... It's a shorthand, visual shorthand for a child lives yeah. here. Um, but it's 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 just not as not as interesting mm. to just uh, just have uh, to just have that copy and paste it. But the audio diary is pretty good because mm. she goes like... Uh, she's like... Uh, uh, I haven't seen Gracie in a while, and I haven't seen my mom, and, like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get to know more of these dogs, and eventually, like, I'll go back to my family, mm -hmm. and it's like, aww, mm -hmm. it's kind of sad, so mm -hmm. I, I'm sad that you missed out on that, because it's, it, 
It's it's like it's more of like Eleanor being being the the kind of like uh, optimistic child that she is. Like she she knows that she's not in like the the best place, but she's like, I don't think that I'm in trouble, mm-hmm. and I think that the people here are like gonna help me find Grace again. So I'll I'll, I'll hang out here for a little while. Oh, Eventually I'll go home. That's sad. And it's like knowing that she never goes home. It's kind of sad. That, like, naivete? Yeah. Um, I, so. I think I was probably just, like, trying to get through the area, yeah. honestly. Unfortunately. So, but... Yeah, well, I'll, was, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go back and, like, see if I can find a YouTube play. play yeah. Because it sounds good. Yeah. Um, just that idea, too, a little sister orphanage, because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that must exist in Rapture. Yeah. Like, it's, I, it's cool that they thought to put a form to a place that would have to serve that function in society. I wrote down that I found it odd that this place was optional. Mm. Hmm. Because it is optional. You don't have to go here. Uh, yeah, I didn't go through it. it it's very weird. Because hmm. it does inform her character and inform the world of like what happened to her where she stayed. Could it be optional because finding it yields a more positive and like maybe memorable response from the player as opposed to sending them through it? I don't know. I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious to know why that portion was optional. Yeah, it is right in front of your face because you have uh, these areas are U shaped where there's like the um, the the shops, mm-hmm. um, and in the U you start at you know the top of the left one and then come out through the right side of it. Uh, it is the right side of it as you make it go along. Uh, on the left, in the like where the hole where the you would be is where you need to go, and it's facing right in front of you. Hmm. So the arrow doesn't point to it, but it's right in front of your face. So you know, I uh, at that point I think I was, excuse me, just trying to get through. At that point, I think I was like, all right, this is just some kind of religious guy red light district. I'll just get through. Oh. Yeah. Get through this if you had more time, it would have been nice to go through, but yeah, well, that's why I gotta give myself more time, but yeah, um, well, you learned, yeah. uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, this this area ends with with uh, with a boss fight as you go down to uh, fight um, uh, Father Wales, he's like pissed that you killed his brother. Uh, it's like, like Sophia's line, like. He killed your brother in cold blood. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's like, what? Yeah. How dare he? Yeah. Um, that, that was funny. To, you already know this guy's crazy. And then Sophia Lamb's like, just points a finger at you. And he's like, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Which is, you could tell that if, if it was Daniel, he'd probably be like, eh. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, I found funny. But also in this area, you kind of like learn more about the religion it mainly is just she, he's like he Sophia Lamb teaches us that we're all equal and we all can help each other and if we all help each other we can all be great and it's like this is just goodness 101 like yeah. what, do, what do you what do you, what? You, you didn't know this yeah you're, you're like 50 and Rapture's only been around for like 10 years 20 years max so like you didn't know how to like just be a good person <laughs> like I don't get it like like I get that splicing makes you crazy but not this crazy. I don't. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing about splicers is the 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 characters just say random stuff or seemingly random. Like they'll be like, you know, 
this isn't part of the plan and then they'll attack you or they'll be like, I just wanted, I, I wrote a note, I killed a splicer and uh, she fell over and said, sunshine. And I was like, what, what is that? You know, like, it's just like random, like yeah, she'll, drug addled uh, like, babbling. The roast is on and then yeah. and then you'll be like, they'll be like, exit stage left. Yeah. And you'll be like, okay. And it's just like, what, I love that element because it's, it makes them feel like actual crazy people. Uh, but yeah, so maybe the, this brother just went crazy and is just babbling religious nonsense or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um. The, this is like the end of the level. You fight him uh, in a, another fairly boring boss fight. You have like a, it's like in a in a churchish area. So you you the environment is cool. Yes. But you don't really use it. Yes. So I mean, combat is not Bioshock's strong suit as much as I think that like being able to dual wield. We haven't said you can dual wield. <laughs> Ten hours into this discussion, three hours into this discussion, and, and it's like the first Bioshock. You had to choose whether or not you wanted a gun or a plasma. In this game, you can use both in both your hands at the same time. Yes, it is cool to see. Uh, well, I, not cool, but it's weird. Like uh, I always thought, the Big Daddy's drill was just like part of their uniform. But I guess this Big Daddy that you play as Delta, the, the Delta Big Daddy, can just take the drill off and have a free hand. Yeah, so that's weird. Uh, not weird, but just wasn't expecting that. Uh, yeah, dual wielding is fun because when you're reloading, you can shoot a plasmid at someone to yeah. uh, compensate. So I think it's a it's a good idea. Yeah, it's weird that it, they didn't do it in the first game, but maybe it was a programming thing. I don't know. It could be a programming thing, but Halo Three had dual wield, and that was a launch title on 360. Look, so uh, you don't make games, so shut up. Yes, I do. I made this game, but so when you get to the church, um, you are Andrew Ryan. <laughs> uh, I I liked, like you said, the environment. There's awesome. There's corpses in the pews of this like. Uh, yeah, my favorite. I saw a lady that's like, that's like in the thinker position. Yeah, yeah. She's like this. Yeah. Great radio. <laughs> she's like this. No, yeah. You like you said. She's in the thinker. But I was fighting the guy, and then I looked to my left, and I saw that, and I I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Why is she in the thinker position? Somebody, somebody, and now she's in rigor mortis, so she won't be able to. It would be harder to get her out of this position. You've heard of Sophia Lamb? That was Sophia Thinker, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they they have a they have a like altar where I guess he's like spreading the word of Lamb and whatnot. And I I don't even what what there's a big painting overhead. I think of of, uh, of her over of her of Eleanor over her body. I don't yeah. remember though. I think it's Eleanor like. T posing, like Christ posing or whatever, <laughs> over like a body that is a dead, like a splicer or something? Sure. I mean, you learn, it, it looks like people are offering their bodies, like you find little sections with a bunch of butterflies that are a few lamb symbol all throughout the game, uh, and people will like have their, uh, will be laying down on like altars mm -hmm. in front of them. Yeah, like there were several instances where I, you walk in on essentially like a funeral where there's a, a corpse in the middle of like a, a concrete slab and there are splicers around them posed up like they're standing there praying or if not a funeral, like some kind of like worship service. Yeah. They're always uh, surrounded by, uh, they're always around a vent mm -hmm. because the vents mm -hmm. are where the little sisters come out. Yeah. So it's like harvest, and they're the ones that harvest Adam. Eleanor's a little sister. So yeah, they're like, we're, they're, that's their like effigy.
Yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting. And then getting to this scene, it feels like, oh, okay, this is like this is actually like an organized religion in Rapture, or this is like some kind yeah. of cult. Um, so, but you you go here uh, uh, when you kill uh, Father uh, Wales, like Sinclair's like, oh, thank God. I'm running out of here. You you gotta help me because because uh, I'm, uh, I, I I don't know. I I'll, I'll see how much I can hang on for, but you know, make it over here quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's Dionysus Park. It's like okay. Uh, you flip switch and Sophia Lamb's like, ha ha, I gotcha. No, the door opens up. You're opening up a door to get to Sinclair, and it stops like halfway, and then the lights oh. go out. And then uh, the like emergency lights come on, and yeah, Sophia Lamb's like, "I got you, you bastard." She's like, uh, you "I know, thought this was flipping a switch to get it so that you could open the door that was outside and underwater." Yes, but you you flip that switch, and then you have to uh, walk back the way you came. And when you get to the door to leave this area, if I'm remembering correctly, I could be misremembering, but the door opens halfway, and then the lights go out, and Sophia Lamb comes on. And okay. she's like, fuck you. And then uh, water starts spilling in and like she, flooding the area. She's essentially like, uh, she's like, all right, Delta, if you want to save this place, this is what you're saving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're saving garbage, Delta. And you're garbage. And it's like, oh, uh, uh, you're like, oh, shit. Uh, um, are you going to flood this place? And. I love this escape team. Yeah, it was it's awesome. great. I, I told you last night when you were playing, I'm like, you'll know when you get to the end of the, the section that we're playing. Because I did not do this on purpose, but uh, it ends on an event. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's scary, too. Um, like, trading through water spilling in. Like, I think that's a natural human fear, right? Like, it's it's just scary to be like, oh, my God, this thing is fucking flooding, and i got to get out of here. Yeah. And, uh, and you're in a diver suit, so you'll be fine. But uh, mm-hmm. But it is like... Oh my God! It is a race against time to get out, and you don't make it out in time. Mm-hmm. The, uh, suddenly, all the the pressure is too much, and uh, the the all the glass breaks, and you are underwater again. And you get to you go through you walk through the remains of Siren Alley as it is just completely flooded and destroyed. All the splicer bodies are just strewn throughout the place. You can't pick up any loot. You can't buy anything. It's just like, well, if you if you wanted to go through this place and explore, you fucked up. Mm-hmm, yeah, actually, you can loot the splicer corpses that are oh, floating okay. above you because I did. Yeah, you can't you can't buy anything. Though. No, yeah, but no, it's it's awesome to just because this is when you've been underwater before in the game, you're outside. This yeah. is really cool to see a rapture area completely flooded with shit just floating yeah. all around you. This wasn't even done in, in... I'm surprised it wasn't even done in like the DLC for Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, this is a completely new idea like that was never seen again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting too. Like, you know, you said... We said at the beginning, this is rapture in disarray. Like, this is abysmal rapture. And this really is like the visual for that. Everything's like this. It's a perfect metaphor for where Rapture's at right now. This once thriving city is completely flooded. Yeah. It's not even like, you know, one where like Fontaine's trying to remake it so that then he can go to the surface and take over the surface. Mm -hmm. It's like, Sophia Lamb doesn't even want that, I don't think. Like, she's just like, uh, like, 
she doesn't want Rapture to eventually become what it once was. She's just like, this place is useless and it's a means to an end. Like, I'm going to use this place and then kiss it goodbye. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything anymore. The people who had it, like, were, uh, were opportunistic, like, idealist, like, monsters. Like, just throw it in the trash and get it out of here. And she sees you as that, like, as, mm-hmm. as somebody who's trying to take advantage of the of the rapture as it as it was and it's like no i'm just trying to get my girl back yeah i'm just trying to save a little girl yeah but that's that's another thing is is it establishes sophia lamb as as even more ruthless like you really understand she can uh not only can she completely section off parts of the environment but she will and she doesn't care that that was filled with people who followed her that was filled with her supporters and you know that andrew ryan would never do this yeah because andrew ryan has this idea of just like this is the place that i built like Mm -hmm. i built this even though like people built it and there were people that he stepped on in order to get to the point that he was he's an industrialist he's an industrialist and he loves what he made so he would never destroy it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's interesting uh, parallels there. Like yeah, Andrew Ryan sucked, but he wouldn't have just killed a bunch of uh, people. I don't think people. that he would care about killing people. I think he would more care about like this is a place that I made. Like this is yeah. his art. Yeah. This is his. This is his city. Like he's mm-hmm. not just gonna throw away his city. Like he might throw away the people in it. Yeah, that's true. But he's not gonna throw away the thing that he built. Yeah, yeah, you're totally and right. And Sophia Lamb is like, I don't care. Yeah. And I then, care about the people, I don't care about it. Which really goes, you know, against her ideology that she's been flaunting. Well, I that's... Mean, even Grace Holloway, it's, we didn't talk about... It, she sends you some stuff in a Numo tube, mm-hmm. and it's like... I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I don't remember if she ever comes back after that, but, like, I'm wondering how she would feel about, like, she she just flooded this entire place. Like, what do you think about that, Grace? Yeah, right. Well, if you didn't already question um, Sophia Lamb after the uh, Big Daddy didn't kill you, then she just killed a bunch of people for no reason, basically. So yeah, just to get you out of the way because she doesn't want you to get to Eleanor. So. Mm-hmm. And then as you're walking through this area, you just walk right up to Dionysus Dionysus Park's gates, right? Yeah, you just you find the you find the backward beginning. Uh, I think again you had to open this because of the pressure. You had to like divert the pressure mm-hmm. back or something. I don't remember. Um, it's not really that well explained. Whatever. It, it's I think they say like a pump. Like you need to find a way. Yeah, yeah you need to activate the mechanism that allows you to walk into Dionysus Park and then drain it out. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that eventually you can like save. Sinclair, because I think he's underwater at this point. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like you're trying to divert the pipes away um, to whatever. That um, was a cool thing, too, is Sinclair sounded very just earnestly panicked. Like he wasn't like, yeah. let's see what's over here, fancy He's starting boy. to feel more human. If the, if there were, if the pauper's drop didn't like give you a clue as to like more of his character, like this, this area is like, okay, like he's still like wants to be saved like human would like he's mm-hmm. in fight or flight mode but he's he's also like uh, uh he says like after you defeat um father wills he's like you know I- i'll be all right i'll hold out for a moment you know mm-hmm. y- if you need to take a breather that's okay i'll see if i can like get as much air as i can yeah uh, and try to balance it out while i'm trapped in this train 
but just you know to know that I'm on a clock but I'm you know I, I'm not gonna you just fought a hard battle take your time yeah so and and then when it's flooding he's like you gotta get out of there like it's you know this this is this is it kid like you're not gonna make it yeah. so uh yeah like I know that he's in trouble and he needs you but also it does feel a little bit like he he does care it, a little bit it feels like you're on the same side yeah you know in that in that moment so and um, uh it, it was just a, a really memorable way i'm not sure would you say this is a halfway point of the game oh yeah for i think so i don't remember how much is left i think there's like three or four levels left but okay. uh yeah we uh we ended it here so that is after three fucking hours we're uh we're done with our first uh with our second episode of, the, of this, of this, uh, this show. Yeah, that was Infinite Pixels. Wow. Actually, real quick, I took a video during this part because one thing that has not been like a problem, but something you, you got up during that. I don't know if you sounded like that, but <laughs> I got up. I, I I got up to get my phone off the charger on the other side of the room, <laughs> uh, just to show Jordan this video that I took. Uh, because this has not been a like I said. You don't need to turn up the sound. Yes, I will. Let me make sure it's fine. Don't. <laughs> All right, fine. Go go uh, ahead. It won't load. Hold on. Shite. Uh, I'm curious what this is. It's nothing crazy, but it's, I just thought it was funny. Uh, one thing that's that uh, it's not like something that is deterring my gameplay experience, but uh, sometimes I pick up audio diaries and then like a cutscene dialogue uh, audio will come in and it cuts off the diary. <laughs> or, uh, like, I'll be doing something, and an audio diary is fucking with it. So it doesn't always... Is it, do we get a treat here? Uh, if, it, it? if it wants to play, yeah. So I picked up an audio diary of Father Wales, and then Father Wales started talking on the <laughs> Overcom, and neither of them stopped, so I had two different <laughs> audios of Father Wales playing. I was just like, of course. Like, this is... Of course this would happen. So that was just I was playing through that uh, Father Wales part just That's like I, this this part's the lamest part so far. So naturally something like this would happen to just take me completely out of it. Great. So, but that's uh, that's where we stopped. We're gonna we're gonna end it here after a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and the assignment for next week is to beat Bioshock Two. Mm -hmm. You and me are gonna beat it. Uh, if anybody else is playing at home, which I doubt, but you know. Uh, uh, go ahead and beat Bioshock 2. <sighs> Alright, well, I'm, uh, if we're going to end it here, we can do some house cleaning. Uh, I, the podcast is still not up on iTunes. I hate that. I will, I'm working on it. I said on Twitter that I'm trying to work on it. Uh, and I'll probably post it on Spotify now because iTunes is being difficult. We're, we're hoping to get it on iTunes, but it's, yeah. you know... Because that's mostly what, what people use. I mean, I, I tried to put it on uh, the podcast app that I use, Pocket Casts, and uh, the RSS feed did not work. So for now, we're still only on SoundCloud, which is unfortunate, because I'd like it to reach more people. Uh, essentially, like, just reach the people that I know that would like to listen to it. They don't want to use, like, the SoundCloud app. Mm -hmm. They just want to use, like, a podcast app. And the iTunes podcast, even... Even though it got fucked up like a year ago, it's still the thing that everybody uses. Yeah. Like mostly everybody uses. So 
um, it got fucked up for me because I'm a monster who has like 500 podcasts uh, that are open uh, and ready because I'm still listening to stuff from 2020. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I'm working on that. Uh, if you want to send us anything, again, our email address is infinite pixels podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your thoughts about Bioshock or the podcast, if you like it, if you don't. Uh, eventually you could rate us on stuff, but we're not there yet. Uh, you don't have to though, it's fine. Um, uh, other stuff, I wrote a thing on blog. If you want to read it, uh, I'll promote that right now. Uh, I wrote about Love Live and I'm starting freelancing and I didn't really go into the podcast as well on there but I also kind of meant it as like a like starting podcast and like what I felt about like just like you know I, I right now we're starting at zero and I'd like to eventually turn that into one so I wrote about that and my thoughts on uh freelancing as a whole and why I'm scared shitless about freelancing so and you related it to love life yes Love life. <laughs> and I thought it was good. It was a well-written piece. So so thank you for liking it. Uh, it's the first time I'm writing about Love Live. And if you've followed me at all, the first podcast I was on, I talked about Love Live. So it's going full circle. It's oh, matter. boy. It's only a matter of time before. Uh, Eventually, I'll get paid for that, hopefully. Getting paid to play Love Live is the dream. Well, not to play it. To, to talk about it would be even better. Hilarious. Uh, I mean, uh, fun. <laughs> Uh, but I, I like Love Live. I like the episode that of Love Live Sunshine that I talked about as well. It's one of my favorite episodes of that show. So it was nice being able to watch that and relate it to it. Once again, uh, if you'd like to read that, you can read it at uh, ironheart1183.tumblr.com. Uh, once again, writing on Tumblr has been hilarious because that site is a graveyard of broken <laughs> dreams. And teenagers being like, what is this? So, But you're going to bring it back. Yeah, I'm going to single-handedly bring it back. Should do, you should do a word-for-word -word transcript of this podcast and post oh it my on God. Tumblr. That as would be blog. hilarious, but I'm not going to do that. That would take a year. Yeah. Um, you read that. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at Ironheart1183. Uh, do you have anything to promote? Are you working on anything? Uh, I don't have anything to promote. Um, I'm hoping to get more stuff out soon, and when I do, I'll talk about it. Okay, cool. I just want to end by saying I'm really loving uh, playing Bioshock 2. Awesome. I'm glad that you're liking it, because I can't wait. I get next pick next week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick something terrible. No, I already, I've already know what I'm going to pick. You know... And I'm going to... We'll, we'll reveal it next week. Yeah. Okay, so you already know? Yeah. Nice, very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully next week it'll be a shorter episode because we won't have to set up the entire world of Bioshock for the first I don't first know, hour. maybe. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> it might not be, yeah. But uh, it, it'll be nice going into it. Uh, we can just get going because uh, we don't have to talk. <laughs> we don't have to I suspect it will be long, at least two hours. But <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Though. I don't know if it'll be three hours like this one. <laughs> uh, this is the last Bioshock game you can play. Yeah. They're, they're, for me right now I mean yeah. they're making uh, Bioshock th 4 they are? yeah oh we could talk about that next week okay. and what that means but but uh 
Yeah. Dude, I would love to do to go back and do Bioshock 1 and then play Bioshock Infinite on this. Maybe. Uh, I, 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 I don't think that we need to do that, but we can talk about that off the podcast. Okay. <laughs> but you, you, you can pick that eventually. I love Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> okay. All right. We can talk about my disappointment with Bioshock Infinite in, in, in years, the years uh, that have followed next time. Look forward to that. On episode three. Bye. Have a good week. I disagree. I think that if you really think about it. If you really think about it, we're all Bioshock 2. <laughs> Who's the guy in, Bioshock, in uh, Mass Effect who... From the beginning of the game, when in Mass Effect 2, when you're starting off in the second game, and it's Miranda and that other guy that, like, save you or whatever. It's Jacob. Jacob. He kind of looks like Kanye West. I'm looking at your poster over there, and he looks a little bit he like Kanye He does kind of look like Kanye West. Just like his chin and his, like, short hair. Yeah, he doesn't look like it when he's, when he's straight on, but from the side he kind of does. Yeah. Jacob's boring. <laughs> Jacob is born. If we ever get to the Mass Effect, uh, you'll see what happens to him in three if he survives for you in two. Uh, he did survive for me in two. He, uh, ten well, years you, you got to do that again if we ever do that, or drag up, get your save files to three. <laughs> I would love to do that. My game from ten years ago. Well, I would want to go through the entire trilogy. Sure. Like we like we do, um, like you know. Can't you... Three uh, or four episodes of one, three or four episodes of two, and then three or four episodes of three. Not all at the same time. It would be like, okay, like, let's... Not, like, not one after another. I would like it if we had, like, breakups, like, of, like other stuff. And, yeah. Uh, is it... Can you romance Jacob in... Um, if you're female shepherd, yes. Oh, you can't gay romance uh, no. Jacob? No. Mass Effect was actually, like, really behind in the times, so to speak... Uh, I thought you could have gay relationships. In three. Oh. You can. Hmm. Uh, in two, um, you can't. Uh, in three, they finally added uh, the ability to romance Caden if he yes. survived as male uh, shepherd. And there's another guy named Steve who is your pilot. From Minecraft, right? No. Is that That's not Seth Green's character. No, uh, Joker romances the robot. Oh, yeah, 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 Edie. So, okay, real quick, look at uh, Jacob and Kanye West side by side. Mm. They, they look alike, They do right? look really alike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder, it's, who's the, can you look up the actor who did facial capture? Sure. Because I don't know if it, like, there's some actors who do the facial capture and the voice, but, mm -hmm. like, Ashley's is definitely not the facial capture because the voice actress for Ashley is black and Ashley is white. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Adam Lazar White is the voice actor. But, like, I know the voice actress for Miranda, uh, the, I can't remember her name, also does her, is, like, her inspiration for the facial capture. That's like uh, Left for Dead. Um, I don't think any of the... Well, actually, I think Left for Dead 2... I think the people who did the vo the facial capture also did the voices for the characters. Okay. Well, the guy who plays Jacob, I don't think was the facial capture. I, I maybe he was. I can't tell. I doubt it. <laughs> that that's not the best picture. That is not the that is not a flat. Here, this looks photo. more like.
That's a much more fun. Yeah, the other one he had like one eye closed. Yeah. Just an unfortunate like uh like red carpet yeah. like, photo. Oh look, like... he was on Criminal Minds. Oh. Adam was so he's a character actor, probably. I guess. Okay. Uh do you wanna do you wanna try to start something? Nah, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Uh so uh last time we played Flower. Oh, I'm, I got an intro. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Let me stop touching my legs. Wait, we can, you know what we could do is we can just, here's the intro from the last episode. I Don't do that. <laughs> I can cut that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry. Do, do whatever intro you like. Okay.